the blast from our past network. Hi, all. Well, this is the composer, Richard Band. You might have heard music from a few of my films, like Reanimator and uh, From Beyond and Terrorvision. But right now, you're listening to Podcasting After Dark, a killer, killer show. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Transers, starring Tim Thomerson, Helen Hunt, and Art LaFleur. Ho, ho, ho! (laughs) Um, I was going to sing my favorite train Christmas song to drive uh, Dustin nuts because I know he listens to podcasting after dark. But I'm just going to say Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to podcasting after dark. Hopefully none of you are squids who are listening to us because you're all going to get tranced if that's the case. (laughs) It's me. It's me. It's Tiny T, uh, Sexy Z. And joining me, as always, is my beautiful, bodacious co-host, Hori Corey, Sleazy C. <laughs> What's happening, homie? What's up, my man? Uh, you know, my hair is wet, so I am no squib, baby. You are. <laughs> only dry, what does he say? Like, I don't know. Later on. Dry hairs like, for squids. There you go. Dry hairs for squibs. <laughs> <laughs> it is it squibs or squids? Squids. Squids. Got it. Yeah. Okay. I kept thinking he was saying squib, like the... Um, the the bun you know the gunshot pack thing you know yeah that would work if that's what he meant but that's not what he was saying that's not what so I was saying so <laughs> I've already derailed us <laughs> we are of course talking about today 1984's Charles Band directed Empire Pictures before they were Full Moon Entertainment Trancers starring Tim Thomerson we'll get in the whole bingo bango shadango banga thing in a second but uh. This movie is my Christmas pick because, um, well, you'll find out as we as we stroll down memory lane of 1984 in uh, good old B-movie fashion. That's right. It's as much of a Christmas movie as Invasion USA is. And you know what? They both are. So <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to I'm going to I'm going to say it's more of a Christmas movie than Invasion USA. No, I think you're right. It actually is. It has more of an emphasis. It's actually brought to attention more than it was in Invasion USA. And there's Christmas presents given yeah. in this movie. And there's Christmas trees. In Invasion yes. USA, the only Christmas presents given were rockets. Were Roundhouse Kicks by Chuck Norris <laughs> and Uzi 9mm. No, uh yeah, Trancers is a Oh gosh, where do I begin? This is this movie is in my top 10 of all time, believe it or not. It is one of my favorite movies of all time because it holds such a nostalgic place. Um, yes, it is PG-13, believe that. We will get into some of the cursing and some of the questionable scenes that definitely wouldn't slide by today's standards. However, back in 1984, this was a PG-13 film uh, and... I watched it incessantly on HBO, on Cinemax. I rented the hell out of it. My mom allowed me to rent PG-13 movies on my own. So I was like, I want to watch Trancers again. I want to watch Trancers again. Um, I got into 
some real finite details about my love of trancers on Wrap Up After Dark. So if you are curious to hear those details, go to our Patreon because uh, they're really good. They're, re- I mean, Corey can attest to it. It, it is like taps really deep into my psyche as to why I love this movie so much. What lengths I went to uh, to profess my love of all things trancers. Is, is Jack Death your Boba Fett? Yes, he okay. was. You fortunately had an action figure of Boba Fett. I did not have an action figure of Jack Death, and I wish I did. At one point, Charles Band promised to make Jack Death action figures, but he never did. Mm. He made a lot of promises, I think, to a lot of people. But to a little young child, impressionable, uh, of eight or nine years old, I really wanted a Jack Death figure, and I never got one. I'm sure somewhere down, someone in Etsy world or Instagram makes a custom Jack Death figure. Or, or maybe our buddy over at Dead Alive store on Instagram. He makes custom action figures on carded backs and backboards and everything. And uh, maybe he's got a Jack Death uh, action figure somewhere to uh, oh. to behold. I, I don't know. I'm just saying. So, guys and gals, go check out Dead Alive store at uh, at Dead Alive store on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, definitely check them out. And uh, yeah, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas for Wacky Zacky, so maybe I'll get uh, a little Jack Death action this (laughs) this holiday season. But yeah, as you guys well know, I choose movies that are a little outside the box as far as uh, themes. So when Corey said, uh, I'm going to do a Christmas pick, I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a Christmas pick too. I'm going to do transfers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it is appropriate. I, I got to say and if you know, if you know the movie guys and gals if you know it, you know it is. There's a it, it takes place at Christmas time and there's a lot of Christmas stuff in it. So, it's yeah. actually quite Christmassy. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny too. At one point in the movie they the uh, uh Jack Death says it's July where where I'm from. So, Christmas in July, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we jump into any of that, I, I want to know what your familiarity is, your connection is with with Trancers. Tell us, please. Yes. So, I have seen Trancers. I saw it when I was a kid. I remember my dad renting it when we were in Roanoke. Um, I think, the, yeah, obviously, this is right up his alley. It's kind of a, a noir cop film, you know, with a sci-fi spin. Um, so, I do remember it. I do remember, like... Kind of all I remembered, especially when I rewatched it, was the the beginning. I remember the future stuff, um, and then I just had an image in my head of like a guy with white hair. But at the beginning of the movie, Tim Thomerson doesn't really have white hair, so I was like, "What was I thinking of?" And then later on, you sort of see him when he goes back in time. He kind of has more of the white hair, so I was like, "Oh, okay." So I do remember it. I remember bits and pieces when I was watching it, you know. Um, I didn't really watch it much much past that. I don't think I've ever seen any of the sequels. I have seen Dollman. Um, when it came to like Full Moon stuff, and I know this was more of an Empire Pictures thing, but when it came to Full Moon stuff, I remember watching more like the Bloodstones and the subspecies and I think stuff that probably looked like it had a little bit more sleaze on the cover, you know, than, than Trancers does. Yeah, Trancers has a has an interesting story. Uh, the Blu-ray, which you can find on you know Amazon, eBay, whatever, has a 15-minute documentary on the kind of uh, the the how Trancers came to be. I watched it. Uh, and Empire Pictures, which later became Full Moon Entertainment. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to list off a few of the titles. I think we talked more in detail about Empire Pictures when we broke down. 
uh, Terror Vision, because Terror Vision is an Empire Pictures film. Yeah, but that was like our our third episode we ever did, or the fourth, something like you did it way early on. Um, and uh, and by the way, you know there is a connection from Transfers to a, a really direct connection besides the whole Empire Pictures thing. But we'll talk about that when we get to the to the crew. So yeah, rattle off what else uh, is is known from Empire. Yeah, some of the some of the films that I'm going to list from Empire are going to make you go, oh, wow, oh, wow, and might go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of them are The Dungeon Master, great mm-hmm. movie, I love that movie, Ghoulies, yep. Reanimator, yep. Uh, Zone Troopers, another Tim Thomerson film. And, and Art LaFour's uh, movie. Yep, yep. Uh, Walking the Edge, which is a really cool, really cool flick everybody should check out. Um, Eliminators, Rawhead okay. Rex, Okay. Troll. Terror Vision, of course. Yeah. Uh, Creepazoids, Dolls, Princess Academy, <laughs> Prison. Well, hold on a second. Um, is that the the Stuart Gordon Dolls? Yes. That movie fucking rocks. Yep. Um, it's from oh from Beyond, of yep. course. Mm-hmm. And uh, one more I'll mention for now because I know it holds a special place in both of our hearts. Robot Jocks. Oh, yeah. Fucking love that movie so much. I mean, the list goes on and on for Empire Pictures, but but those are just a few. And I think, like, I've only haven't seen one of those movies that you... It was, like, the third one you listed or something. Uh, literally everything else I've either seen once to a hundred times. Like, I've seen, you know what I mean? It's, like, everything in there are some cult classic films right there. Yeah, Charles Band... Um, whether you like him or not, whether you like his movies or not, you have to give the man his due respect for the fact that he churned out more genre films, I think, than Roger Corman practically did. Maybe he, maybe not, but I close to it. Uh, he's he's a legend in the B movie cinema biz, the cult movie biz. Um, I'd say he had a really strong hand in driving the video store market. Yeah. You know, movies that you that went straight to video. Uh, a lot of them came from him. He his intention with Transfers all along was kind of for it to be a a, a video marketed film, not a theatrical film. Yeah, because they even said they weren't ex- even expecting to make any money back on it theatrically. It was literally supposed to just live in. You know, in on VHS essentially. I mean, he's, yeah, he had yeah. some really good, I think, foresight sight into seeing where the industry was going. He does. He he did, and he does. I think um, he is. You know, you talk to some of the alums of his movies, some of the actors, and they go, "Oh, Charles was uh, even in the documentary. Even in the documentary, <laughs> they're the, like the Charles screen- is Charles. I mean, it's like yeah. if you know him, you know him. The the, the two screenwriters who we'll get to in a minute. Um, you know, talk about how like. Charles was not always directing the movie. He'd be busy taking phone calls, and but he made it work, and he did. He does. He did, in my opinion. And, and apparently, uh, Transfers was a bit more. I think it was closer to to his chest. So he they spent a little bit more money on it and everything. I think it was. I think this was a movie that was near and dear to his heart, or maybe it's because he was actually you know directing it. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting how. Uh, how prolific he was as a director, um, how also I think you can always tell when it's a Charles Band, um, you know, movie, there's a certain like sort of look to it. That's yep. not, I'm not saying that as a negative thing, you know, it's just, it, you can tell it's a full moon film sometimes and thus an Empire, you know, pictures film as well sometimes. Yeah, I would say once full moon became full moon and you mentioned subspecies and doll man and, um, 
you know, seed people and demonic toys. Yeah. And, 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 but Trancers had, uh, it spawned three more sequels or four more sequels, actually. I think there's five of them and a short film that is actually on the DVD itself. Yeah. David Blu-ray. told me to watch that short film. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's like 26 minutes. I popped it on for a second um, and just was like, oh my God, it's a, uh, what's well, Art LaFleur, which is always great. Um, yeah. But then, uh, <laughs> Susan's Susan Ross's mom from Seinfeld uh, is in it as well. So now, like for some reason, I was like, "Oh, now I actually want to see it more because I've never yeah. seen that actress before and anything else other than than you know Seinfeld." I will say I love Full Moon movies. Uh, they were so great back in the day, getting the VHS tapes because they would have Video Zone at the end. Basically, what what DVD extras, Blu-ray extras are now was at the end of a VHS tape. It would be behind the scenes, interviews, um, little featurettes, and then a promo for merchandise they could you could buy off the web or through their catalog, which I did. <laughs> Do you think that the runtime of this film, the hour and 16 minute runtime was was made that way so they could stuff more things at the end of it? Not not with this one. Okay. Um, because when this came out on VHS, they were not full moon yet. So okay. I don't think they had what full moon later did where they put all the featurettes on it, the the video zone at the end. Yeah. I don't think they did. I will say though, like I still own I still have my full moon um my full moon membership card. My full moon. I have a collection of their their uh, trading cards. I have an old calendar. Like I was full moon fanatic to the highest tilt. So this movie obviously is a precursor to that, and it shows because the for the the future trans the future transfers movies did not have the same spark or charm that this one had. Well, in my and. Opinion. And another thing I would be remiss if I didn't mention, um, you know, with my history with the film, I have always loved the poster for this movie. And not going to lie, I have always hated most of the full moon posters because even though they have a certain look to them, they don't quite look like the Photoshop thing, the floating heads thing. They do more of the standing body Photoshop thing. And I just I never liked it, but always, dude. The tra- the first Transfers movie, the, this cover with the, this poster with Tim Thomerson, it's like painted or something. It's almost Drew, Drew Struznan esque a little wow. bit, you know, just a smidge. But it's a beautiful piece of art, dude. It really is. It really is. Originally, they were going to well, the original title for this movie is Transfers. Then it became Future Cop for yeah. a minute, and then it didn't test well, so they went back to Transfers. Uh, the posters that exist for this online are really cool. I think they missed the boat on how they could have marketed this movie. Um, I think there's still, I think this has, this could have a new audience, especially in today's 80s loving kind of nostalgia period we're going through right now, easily. Um, you know, like a, like a long second watch or a, you know, um, a cool laser beam or something like that. But alas, they did not. And But Trancers, we will probably get to more full moon movies down the road five years, ten years from now. But uh, in the meantime, I really wanted to choose Tran- – I really wanted to bring Trancers to the table um, at some point is in, in the first couple of years of our podcast because it, it's such a near and dear movie to my heart. 
Uh, and again, if you want to know more of why, go listen to our wrap-up episode, and I'll tell you that. Yeah, it was uh, the November uh, episode, I think number 28, the one we just uh, dropped. The latest one. Yeah, there you um, go. But, but yeah, let's get into a little bit of the, uh, the nuts and bolts of transfers before we break this bad boy down. Um, like I said, it came out in 1984 from Empire Pictures. It was directed by Charles Band and originally written by Charles Band. Charles Band wrote the original script that is actually not on IMDb. Um, he went under the pseudonym of Robert Amante. Okay. And uh, if you look up Charles Band on IMDb, he has aliases. So why he's Robert Amante for that, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> the original script was... Actually, I have to push back a little bit because I remember owning the original script and reading it as a kid. Um, I got it at Hollywood Book and Poster Company back in the day on on Hollywood Boulevard. Yep, I've been there. Rest in peace, Eric Caden. Uh, great, great poster and script place. They just had everything. And I had the original Trancher's screenplay. Um and it's pretty close to what you see on screen. So the writers in the little documentary, the writers are Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo. They act like they wrote the whole thing. No, they really didn't. I'm, I'm, they really didn't. Uh, yeah, but Danny because, Bilson. Yeah, there was yeah, an original ahead. script that they were working off of, and Jack Death's name was different. He was like the rat catcher or something like that. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? They're no slouches either. They did do the Rocketeer uh, screenplay, which that's a movie that I absolutely fucking adore. Um, yep. And they also developed the, the the awesome 1990 Flash TV show. Yeah, that's cool that, that these guys actually stayed together and uh, worked a lot together. So yeah. that's cool. Um, the Flash TV show was great. I think yeah. it was actually one of the better... Uh, superhero TV shows of its time. I mean, I think it was probably one of the best until just recently when all the new Flash stuff came out. But and, and it was so good that they even brought you know that original Flash in as the new Flash's dad. But dude, forever and ever, um, uh, was his name? Um, uh, John Wesley's ship will always be my Flash because I love that show, man. I love that show. He'll be my Flash too, and he'll also be um, Dawson's dad. He'll all and exactly because back in the day when I did watch <laughs> Dawson's Creek, I was always like, "It's the Flash," <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but uh, before we get to the cast and crew, or before we get to the cast, uh, I just want to point out a couple of the behind-the-scenes people: uh, the composer uh, Phil Davies and Mark Ryder. So, unfortunately, it's not a Richard Band score, but this score is actually one of my favorite synth scores for any movie of all time. Uh, I wish they had released it on cassette back in the day. There's a vinyl out there. Vinyl? Um, you can get it. You can get it. It's, it's available uh, available on Amazon. But, oh, the opening track is so good. It's like synth to the highest degree. You guys know we, we love the band The Midnight. Uh, at one point on Twitter, they were like, hey, any good movies that we should check out with cool synth scores? And I'm like, transfers they said oh we never heard of that i'm like well you get on it my second note after my first note is love the empire international logo uh my second note is love the synthwave score so good yeah oh my god and it's pulse pounding it is it really is and uh can i call out the editor 
Please do. I was going to say, Corey, can you call out the editor? Yeah. And and so I was watching the opening credits and I was like, that name looks familiar. Ted Nicolau uh, is the editor of the film. And I quickly looked it up. And sure enough, he uh, was the director of Terror Vision, uh, which we again reviewed like it was like our third or fourth movie ever that we did. Um, but yeah, man, he's he went on to to be a very prolific full moon director and everything. Um, but that that was that used to be 10 like. That used to be the the quickest, directest way to be a director was to be an editor first, or you work on adult films back in the seventies, like that, like like Francis Ford Coppola did and everything back in the day. Um, even uh, what was it, Wes Craven did, I think. So, been you know, then of course like the whole blacklisting thing. Oh, you can't work an adult, but guys and gals, most of the big time directors from the eighties got their start doing stuff in the seventies, working in porn because it's cheap. You could you could mess up if you you know it wouldn't matter, and they could you could learn things. Um, but another direct you know route to become a director is to be an editor. You, you really learn the ins and outs of everything about filmmaking through editing, and that's where the film comes together. So Ted Nicolau oh, yeah. started as an editor and then became a d- director. Yeah, and I want to point out one other uh, behind-the-scenes guy that you might go, oh, wow, uh, John Buchler. I, I think I'm saying his name correctly, John Buchler. He was one of the special effects guys. He is a director as well, and I'm going to list off some of the movies that he has directed since Transfers. Well, he directed The Dungeon Master, by the way, that came out before Transfers, I think. Okay. Uh, he directed Troll. Yeah. He direct. He directed, and he directed Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven: The New Blood. Oof. Oh. Oh. Okay. Never mind. Oh yeah. Now I, for some reason, my brain went to to Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know why, but yeah. Okay. Cool. Got it. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Right. Pretty interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> let's get to the cast, though. Uh, I already talked about Tim Thomerson, but I will say I love Tim Thomerson. Uh, Richard Charles Band in the little uh, interview says that he should have been uh, a bigger actor, but this business is funny and it just didn't work out that way. I totally agree. He should have been a leading man for and uh, and and you know, starring in big budget Hollywood films. The guy's good looking. He's a great actor, perfect timing, um, et cetera, et cetera. And he's always a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, it's funny because anytime I hear his name or see a picture of him, I always think of either Dollman or Trancers. Um, and I forget that he was like in like Air America and Near Dark and Volunteers. Like he was in some- Iron some, Eagle. In Iron Eagle. Yeah, he's he's in some like some <laughs> stuff, but yeah. Who's I, Harry Crumb? <laughs> yeah. He did a lot of video game work too and everything. But I mean, he's been working pretty much this entire time. But uh, but yeah, man, I always think of Trancers or, uh, uh, you know, Dollman. And it's, it's because of his white, his hair i mean he stands out and he looks awesome it looks great on him man i hope my hair looks that cool when it's all white me too i mean he he's a he's a really cool guy i met him at a fangoria convention he was a former stand-up comic so he's got great timing Um, and that's so that makes that makes sense as to why he recommended uh bill uh biff maynard uh as as hap that guy was a stand-up comedian too i didn't know tim thomerson started out as a stand-up comedian okay that makes sense yeah, yeah, he's he's a he's a legend. The guy is a legend. Um, would love to would love to have him on the show, but it's kind of challenging because he's very much like retired, quote unquote. But of course, he plays Jack Death. 
Jack D E T H death. And I, and I love the fact that multiple times in this movie, people make fun of his name. And I was like, cool, that's that's all I want. If you're going to have a crazy-ass name like that, I just need somebody to call it out at least once, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think this film, someone said when you promoted this on Instagram uh, that we were going to break this one down, someone said that it's a perfect film or something like that. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to disagree with you, dude. I'm actually going <laughs> to agree with you. Um, perfect for me. Perfect for me. Helen Hunt plays Lena. Helen hunt guys helen Bef- friggin hunt before this she was the quarterback princess and she was in girls just want to have fun but of course helen hunt i think she's an academy award winner for um as good as it gets and uh, or she was academy award nominee nominee uh, mad about you twister castaway i mean it's helen hunt she's a legend yeah and at the time, she was like in her early 20s, I think. And this was a little odd. <laughs> I did the math. Uh, she was 22 in this one because oh. I was I was curious because she was. And she got to make out with Tim Thomerson, who's in his 40s. So yeah. God bless the 80s. Putting oh, the, the 22-year-old <laughs> leading lady with the 40-year-old leading man. Oh, man. But the, but she came back uh, after she actually hit it big. She she was doing like, I think she was doing Mad About You at this point. Uh, she came back and did Transfers Part 2. So, um, you know, I was going to ask at some point where this story goes. I mean, I could Wikipedia it and everything, but I was going to ask you to just sort of tell me where things go. But you say she actually came back for part two. Yeah, she was in part two. That's um, cool. I, I feel like it came out around the same time, uh, but she was already kind of a big, big deal at that point. She had star. She had star written all over, her, though. Every, oh. every movie she did up to that point anyway, she was great in. So I mean, you could see it. In here, man, she just, yeah. I mean, Tim Thomerson's great, but she just, you could tell she's going places, you know? Hell yeah, totally. Uh, Michael Stefani plays Whistler, and he, I mean, he's he's done television, a lot of television. So yeah. um, not, not not anything that notice, not much notable. He doesn't have a photo, so there you go. <laughs> we, uh, we know what, about that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know our whole rant on that. Uh, Art LaFleur. Rest in peace. He just passed away like about a week ago by yeah. the time we're recording this, unfortunately. He's another legendary actor. I mean, the list is from A-plus movies like Field of Dreams and The Sandlot all the way down to our personal favorites, The Blob and Cobra. Yeah. Come on. He's a legend. And he was in Zone Troopers. Of course, with Tim, with Tim Thomerson. Yep. yep. Yeah, they did a lot together. Um, yeah, Tim Thomerson was talking about how much he loved uh, Art LaFleur, especially in this because he was like he totally got what we like what was happening. Like he got his he understood what his role was. Like he understood the the homages that we were trying to do in this film and everything. So I think him and uh, you know Art LaFleur and Tim Thomerson just made a great team in this movie. I think the documentary that we're both referencing was probably made in like it's I, it's at no, least I know exactly five years when it was old. made. It was, it was 2013 because uh, Tim Thomerson says it. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yep. Well, yeah, it, 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 it was quite a while ago. So Tim Thomerson is very much looking older in that. So you can yeah. imagine he's in his 80s, 80s now, I think, at this point. Yeah. Uh, Telma Hopkins has a very small role, but she plays uh, Ruthie, Engineer Reigns. 
Uh, Telma Hopkins, if you don't know who she is, she was on Family Matters. She was in, um, well, she was actually in Trancers. She came back for Trancers, too, as well. I think she was on Good Times, right? Wasn't she on Good Times for a long time? I think so. I I recognized her, like, right when she was on screen, I I recognized her. Um, And then you look through her IMDb, and she's just been working, just working constantly. So, yeah, she just pops up on on just a bunch of stuff. Obviously, a lot of TV and everything uh, now, but, you know, she's been on, like, Psych and whatnot. Like, she She's, she's working, you know. I I, I apologize. She was oh, not and she on was good also times. on one, and she was also on one of your favorite shows that we're also going to cover on TV Obscura, Good versus Evil, G versus E. She sure was, and uh, we are going to get to that show. I cannot wait. She was on Give Me a Break forever. Okay, uh, she was on sixty eight episodes of Give Me a Break. Um, I mean, that alone is a is a big deal. And she's been on everything. She was on Bosom Buddies forever. That's right. She was on Bosom Buddies for the longest time, too. Telma Hopkins is awesome. Uh, And, yeah, she's in G versus E. We we will definitely get to that. Richard Hurd plays Chairman. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I got to call out Richard Hurd playing Chairman Spencer. Please do. Who I always know and love him as uh, Mr. Wilhelm, George's boss at uh, Yankee Stadium in Seinfeld. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, nice. he's always going to be Mr. Wilhelm to me. <laughs> of course. There you go. That's why I chose this, just for that. Just for, uh-huh. And hey, guys and gals, you want to hear me talk about Seinfeld every week? Check out Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if you are not filled with, if your plugs are not filled by the end of this episode, uh, then there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, Ann Seymour plays, she's a legendary actor. She plays Chairman Ash. She was also in Field of Dreams as well, but she's been in she's been acting since the like the 1940s. Yeah. So uh, just she, one of those iconic. You see her on screen, and you're like, oh, she's probably a legend, right? Mm-hmm. Miguel Fernandez plays Officer Lopez. Not a big role. Yeah, Miguel, another uh, actor who again has just been working pretty consistently uh looks like all the way up until about 2005 or something but uh pretty damn consistent he does do a lot of mouth acting in this movie that I've, i noticed <laughs> a lot of mouth acting that is awesome he was in uh true believer if you guys have never seen true believer with james woods and robert downey jr uh it's a really good um before law and order it was law and order okay it's super good it's really worth checking out he also made his way to highlander the tv show as well he sure did yeah (laughs) shout out to highlander um i'm good he doesn't have an imdb but he definitely is worth bringing up biff maynard yes uh (laughs) plays hap ashby loved him absolutely fucking loved him in this movie so uh fun fact according to imdb he was drunk legit drunk during most of his scenes and so tim thomerson was really carrying him through certain scenes and if knowing that knowing that and watching it it makes total sense because there's moments where jack death is like kind of dragging him around and you're like yeah you can tell (laughs) something's going on there but but for some reason like it's just he's very charming there's a charm that comes through you know he's great he's great he's great he's such a it it makes sense that he was a stand-up comic because he's so funny it, and yeah. he's in it for like 10 minutes most. And he's very memorable. Um, he unfortunately passed away in 2014, but I've never seen this on IMDb. They don't know when he was born. They only have born 1943 and then died May 19, 2014. No one like has his actual birthday on here. I've never seen that before. 
Interesting. I mean, yeah, he's. I mean, with a name like Biff, that's yeah. pretty amazing. I don't think he really uh, cared about Hollywood all that much. No, but and he sounds kind of. I mean, you know, Tim Thomerson's a Malibu guy, surfer guy. I get the sense that Biff was probably the same kind of dude, just a laid back surfer bum. You know, former hippie. Yeah, uh, I love that shit. He was awesome. Yeah. Anyways, we'll get to him later. But first, are you ready to get tranced? Of course, I'm ready to go down the line. I'm Jack Death. I'm a trooper in the 23rd century. Jack Death, Angel City PD. May I see your stats? What did I do? Under Section 7 of the Penal Code, the council authorized me to administer you a transfer suspect examination. You can't give me a TSE without a warrant. I got your warrant right here now. Okay, okay, okay. I don't want any trouble. Well, that's My job is hunting transfers. I got nothing to hide. Finding them. Negative. Of course, sometimes they find me first. Then it's a little more complicated. How do you know Whisper's location? We monitored a line disruption in Los Angeles, December 1985. And Zant, Ash, and I all had ancestors in the city then. If you think I'm bringing that scum up the line, you got the wrong trooper. Unless you stop Whistler, everything the council has accomplished for the last four years will count for nothing. Okay, let's say I believe this. You're a cop from the future, and you're chasing this guy, Piper. Whistler. Why doesn't he just turn you into one of these zombies, or me? Trancing only works on squids, people with weak minds, easily controlled. Lena, I'm from another time, another world. I don't even know what you people eat for lunch. Okay, I got fried rice, egg rolls, and beef chow mein. Beef? You mean like from a cow? I thought it was rough in the 23rd century. I didn't know how hot it could get. Jack? How's my tan? It was getting hotter all the time. Jack! I guess I just attract a certain element no matter what century I'm in. This way, mister! Anyway, I gotta run now. I wanna ride with the lady. Over here, Ashby! Cue that beautiful Empire's Picture logo. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love that. Old school logos like that. Empire Pictures, the original logo, so rad. Um, And then, yeah, the opening credits are very similar, actually, to Crystal's, uh, our Patreon supporter, Crystal, a.k.a. Stiff Kitten, chose uh, Intruder for uh, her Patreon pick. And... uh, it was very similar in the credits in the sense that the credits just ran the entire time over one specific scene. Um, the difference being the synth track is amazing. Yeah. And there's this cool glow, like a neon greenish glow to the left of the, the right of the screen. 
uh, that just makes it very comforting. Yeah, it's in it's it's a little bit hard to read actually the lettering because the the blue is almost the same hue as as the yes. glow to the side. Um, but yeah, it was interesting the um, the title card, the transfers title card, like uh, like every other letter was already there, and then the other letters fell down to fit in. I was like, that's really cool. And then um, basically, it's like on a on a on a shot that's that's out of focus, and then eventually after the credits are doing their thing, then the car sort of comes into focus. And I always like opening shots like credit shots like that where it's still the same shot that it's going to turn into but they had to yeah. really plan out how how long this, this the beginning part of the shot was going to be in order to have enough time for all the credits so i just i like stuff like that because it seems like you really have to plan it out you know yeah me too me too and look i could watch this all day <laughs> because <laughs> it was just bringing back all these memories of like sitting on the couch with my bowl of cereal and covered in blankets and just watching transfers at like nine in the morning on a Saturday, you know, or no, sorry. Uh, nine in the morning on like a Sunday after I watched Davy and Goliath or something. So, yeah. And, and this is where <laughs> I noticed uh, the editor was uh, Ted Nicolau. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the credits roll once they finish um, the, it, it, the, the, the scene goes into focus and you realize you're, you're looking at what appears to be uh, like a, like a gas station and a diner. And a car uh, approaches. It is a uh, like an old school Plymouth, but it has like the 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 uh, Blade Runner look, where it's got like futuristic tubes all over it and stuff like that. Yeah, because I mean, at this point, I mean, they don't ever say it, but you can see, uh, or it's known what year it is. I don't remember what they say in the movie, or if you just if you can see it on IMDb. But it's like at this point, we're like in the year twenty two fifty six or something like that. We're like three hundred years in the future or something. Yeah, we're 300 years into the future, and um, the Tim Thomerson, a.k.a. Jack Death, is narrating. And he says, last January, I finally singed Martin Whistler out in one of the ring planets. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, ring planets, that's cool. Since then, I've been hunting down the last of his murdering cult. We call them trancers. Slaves to Whistler's psychic power. Not really alive. Not dead enough. It's July now, and I'm tired real tired i don't know why but i'm just like oh it's so cool it's it's the it's the hard-boiled detective stuff yes. you and i both or i should i say i think because you and i haven't really done any detective movies but i think you and i really both like the hard-boiled detective uh yeah. angle of things yeah exactly so yeah dude it's i love that shit man and i gotta say i love the biggest shoulder pads i've ever seen on a jacket in my life his shoulders <laughs> are like four feet across because of those shoulder pads yeah, Jack Death gets out of the Plymouth, and he has this giant trench coat on with his slick back hair and a scar on his face and a cigarette, you know, and he's just looking like very pulp, very hard-boiled, very old-school 1940s, 1950s hardened detective. It's it's perfect. Yeah, and that's that's the cool thing is that seems to be the style 300 years in the future is for some of the cops and like him and uh, Art LaFleur kind of dressing like sort of 40s, but, you know, with like a, a twist, a spin on it, you know? Yeah, he's at Mom's Diner. It's like it's like Mom's Number 3 Diner. Sorry. Yeah, Mom's Number 3 Diner. <laughs> yeah. And he he uh, he goes in and and when he enters, um, when he enters the mom, I'm assuming behind the counter is like the cook and and taking the orders and everything. And there's a dude sitting at the counter as well of like an old school diner. And the the guy yells out to uh, the the waitress. He's like, "Give me a kelp steak medium." 
And then he goes, uh, your pods deep fried? And she goes, sure are, honey. He goes, all right, side of pods and a large Coke, no ice. And he's like this big, hunking, not hunky, but like hulking, beefy man of a man. She's like this, you know, older, you know, waitress, sort of, you know, typical waitress looking. And the bait and switch they do here is awesome. I didn't see it coming at all. Yeah, yeah, because Jack Death walks in. He immediately eyes this big guy at the end of the into the counter reading a newspaper with his nose ring the guy that guy's with, a nose ring with his nose ring yeah i recognize that guy i'm sure he's been in a bunch of stuff too yeah but, i did too uh the the waitress is like what do you have mister and he goes coffee and she goes the real stuff it's gonna cost you he goes i deserve it i want milk none of that soy crap which is funny because this is 84 yeah and we were you know outside of the only time i heard soy back then was soylent green so it is kind of <laughs> funny that uh Someone made the mistake, by the way, of uh, a couple of years ago calling a soy drink soylent, uh, soylent drink. Oh yeah, I remember that. And there was ads and billboards in L.A. Yeah, and people just went crazy with it and had a lot, a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, they sure did. Um, Jack approaches the the big guy and he goes, "Evening, citizen." And uh, he goes, "Jack Death, Angel City PD. May I have your stats?" And the guy's like, well, "What did I do?" And he goes, "Under Section Seven of the Penal Code." The, Council authorizes me to administer a transfer suspect in examination. And then the guy goes, you can't give me a TSE without a warrant. And he pulls out his this cool laser gun. And he's like, I got your warrant right here. <laughs> the guy's like, okay, okay, I won't make any trouble. And he goes to test him. He goes, hold out your left arm. And he, he puts this bracelet on his wrist, and it glows like this neon purple. There's a lot of neon in this. So. Yeah. Just again to give you a sense, I love neon. So anything with neon in it, I just get a you know what for. You get a transfer for it. You get a transfer for it. Yeah, I'm, I don't turn into a squid. Uh, <laughs> anyways, the it turns purple, and Jack says negative. If it's not you, then it's got to be. And then as soon as he says that, the the guy goes look out, and he turns around, and the waitress, the waitress is like got foam in her mouth she looks all like kind of zombified as i i just wrote zombified yeah these the, these the trancers are basically like zombies once they yeah once they go to like you discover them they become like these maniacal people they try to attack you but at the same time they they start i guess decaying or something like their te- their lips get all like chapped and blistered and, and their faces get all like zombified essentially so yeah, yeah. it's interesting their bodies break down, and uh, they're under the mind control of one particular guy, which is Whistler. Right. Pretty much. Yeah, and, um, I, and I like the fact that, that the big guy, who he thought was a trancer at first, I love the bait and switch that he's not the trancer. I also love that the big guy, he's not a criminal. So, like, he says, look out, you know, and, and as yeah. she as she swings the meat cleaver down and, you know, Jack Death moves, and, you know, and, and Jack Death's about to shoot her, and he's like, don't shoot her, he's an old, she's an old lady, you know, like, the, old, yeah. the guy's like, it's funny, and then when the guy runs out of the room, he actually hits the, or runs out of the diner, he hits the, this weird lever to call the police or whatever, but I was like, my whole time, I was like, this guy was a very upstanding citizen. Yeah, well, upstanding, to, but to the point where, Jack Death's a cop, and he's like, "You can't, you can't singe an old lady." And he like grabs, uh, he he grabs Death, you know, and and Death's gun goes flying into like a pot of boiling water, and he's like, "You blind? She's a trancer." And then, uh, and then that's when, yeah, you're right that the big guy runs off, grabs that 
runs outside and basically sounds the alarm. Yeah. Sends a, and a signal. It's that, like that it's, something's it's, going on. It's this. It's actually. It was in the credits. It was what the camera was next to. There's this weird pylon thing there, like a pillar that's like lit up or something. And then he goes and pulls this giant handle, and then it sends a light up to the to this like you know up to the sky and everything. And I was like. This is elaborate. This is an this is a very elaborate like way to call the police. Yeah, it's elaborate and it's also on a uh, technical level very interesting because these things look like they were left over from Star Wars, but perhaps there's actually later on in the movie they're they're using a scene where the walls of this thing that Jack is trapped in look like something straight out of Star Wars. So yeah. I'm wondering if like they use sets from Star Wars or if they had a guy who's like, hey, I can get you the stuff on the back end. You know? Well, even like Jack Death's, his car, like you said, looks like that Plymouth with like some, all this stuff added to it. But when he goes into the diner, he walks past another car that looks very much like a different movie and they clearly got it as a prop, you know, type of thing. Like it, it looked more built, you know, like it actually yeah. looked fabricated and they probably couldn't drive it. So they just had to park it right there. Right. So we cut back to the diner and Jack is still battling this thing. Uh, this this trancer now and she's like she she picks up a knife and she throws a knife at him and this is funny because it goes right into his leg and he's like ah yeah. and there's this long dramatic scene where he's pulling the knife out of his leg it's and, it's uh, cool that he actually gets hit by the like she actually hits him with it you know like a lot of times in these movies that, that doesn't happen you know no you're right he gets hit by the knife he also gets hit by the boiling water which he <laughs> turns his jacket and fortunately I guess maybe his jacket is you know, uh, heat resistant because he's able to recover pretty quickly from that. And, uh, but when she dumps the pot of boiling water on him, of course the gun flies out. So he goes to pick up the gun, but the gun is now burning hot. So he picks it up and it burns his hand for a second. He's able to get it back up again and he shoots her. He blasts her body. When, when he blasts her, she gets shot, hits the ground. She vaporizes turns red and she vanishes so once a transfer has turned they like turn this br- once they're like completely dead they turn bright neon red and then they kind of just vanish leaving like a, a trace line of their body yeah and, and it wasn't because of the gun or anything and i didn't even i didn't even take it as that you know it didn't seem like it was a part of the gun's feature uh but then you know that's what they refer to them as like scorching them and whatnot so you know it's it's cool there are these terms that they'll use throughout the entire movie and it never changes i did get the sense that it felt like the world was built you know like the, and actually i wanted to see a lot more of the future stuff i was very interested in, in a lot of the future stuff um but i did get the sense that the two screenwriters and what they were working with and everything the original script um they knew what they were doing like or meaning like they, they could they were, they created a world and they stuck with it and and the phrases and everything you know tr- went down the line when he goes back in time he still uses the term squid and stuff like that and trancers and troopers and stuff and i i liked all that because he didn't just all of a sudden he doesn't all of a sudden just become an acclimated you know and it's because the the writers re- like they remembered where he was from you know yeah, yeah, and and I, I will point out too that that the, the laser that he uses it it does vaporize them in the same way. Like you have to use specific types of lasers or bullets because when he goes back in the past, he has a modified laser gun to look like a regular gun, and so the bullets that he uses are the ones that actually vaporize okay. the transfers. Gotcha. So that connects as well. But yeah, the the world that they've built here, they've built enough of a skeleton for you to 
completely fantasize around what could happen next. Do we um, see any more of the future stuff uh, in future movies and like Transfers 2 and on? I feel like we do in Transfers 2 and then like by Transfers 5, they're going back in time and they're literally just filming like somewhere. They're like filming at Griffith Park or something. It's really kind of lame. Okay. Um. It, it Yeah, it never, it just doesn't have the same lore that this one does, um, you know. So unfortunately, yeah, th- uh, that's, yeah. Um, after Jack is done <laughs> killing the Trancer, he pretty much gets ready to split. He get he gr- goes to his car to leave, and then as he's leaving, you see a police uh, car flying in from the sky and landing, and you hear a guy yell out, not so fast, and it's McNulty, who is Art LaFleur, and Jack's like totally annoyed. He's like, I'm not in the mood, McNulty. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm not in the mood for troopers who dodge their assignments. And then he goes, this is when he goes, shuttle pad duties for squids. I got better things to do. And he's like, well, Trancher's hunting's out of bounds, and you know it. Department's had a belly full of your one-man crusade. And Jack says, well, Whistler may be dead, but someone's got to mop up the strays. I singed one just now. Scorches by the door. So you get the sense that this Whistler guy that he got— uh, you know, maybe gone, but the the his cult that is following him, his demons or minions or whatever, is still out there in the world. Yeah, G versus E actually took a little bit of this. Okay, with the, their demons, it's very interesting. I'm just kind of piecing it together right now. So basically, says McNulty says, you know, you, you got to come in, you've got to fulfill your assignments as a police officer, or you're fired. And at that moment, Jack reaches into his jacket, give pulls out his badge. And throws it on the ground and then takes off. Like a typical, like a good old hard-boiled detective. Yep. But then you get the backstory because McNulty turns to one of the other officers that's there. And he goes, he was a good cop till a trancer killed his wife. Come on. Let's hit the clouds. Mm -hmm. I love that. Let's hit the clouds. Let's go into the sky. The dialogue's great. It really, the dialogue really fleshes out the stuff that you don't see. Mentioning like, you know, the moon planets and, you know. uh, Ring planets. Ring planets, yeah. And and like, (laughs) like, you know, launch pad guard duty or whatever, you know. It doesn't doesn't matter what it is. they're, They're saying these words that make you realize or they, you know that the characters know what they're saying, you know, and it allows you to sort of build the world around them. And it creates in my head a much bigger, you know, sci-fi universe than we ever see in the movie. And I think that's good writing because it fills in where the production doesn't have the budget to fill in. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's really good writing. And I think I think you can get away with more fun stuff when you start treating the dialogue a certain way. It reminds me of Streets of Fire, the Walter Hill rock and roll fantasy, because that has a pulp feel to it. When you kind of do like a throwback and you make it look like a throwback versus just using the dialogue but setting it in modern times or, you know, uh, it just doesn't work. What this, How this works is they all talk like that in the future. Right. And then when he goes in the past, he's the only one that talks like that. And everyone makes fun of him for it. So that's why it works. Yeah. There's a cool fade out after that. There's a lot of fade outs in this. And I also have to point out, too, this movie is 76 minutes long. It's very short. Uh, But but some might say it's the perfect amount of time. Uh, From there, you cut to daytime 
and you're you see a beach. Uh, I'm assuming it's what's funny about this is you see a beach and then in the distance uh, in the ocean is Los Angeles. Yes. Downtown L.A. that's submerged in water. Yeah. So like the tops are sticking out and. You very know, cool. The, it's, it. it's cool. The composite is, is, you know, it's not like, you know, the biggest budget composite, but it, it, yeah, it works. Budget. It works and, and it's fun and it builds a world again that I'm just like totally into. I I love this first 16 minutes. And by the way, yeah, the movie is an hour and 16 minutes in some change. And the literally the first 16 minutes is the future. And then the next and then the hour is the past. It's very clean that way <laughs> yeah i love that and i'm watching this and i'm going oh escape from la totally bit off this yeah, yeah. totally lot, bit off this a lot of movies like even Waterworld, because he's like he's down there like you know swimming around he's got a scuba gear on and everything and he's like bringing yeah. back you know treasures or you assume so it's really just hubcaps but um <laughs> you know yeah. but you still it's again it's like it feels like these are the seeds that people like whoever wrote Waterworld, like sort of went with you know these are like seeds here that 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 sparked people's imaginations totally i love it because he comes out of the water wearing what appears to be like a motorcycle helmet a modified yeah. one yeah but, it, but it's cool looking though yeah and he's got his bag of uh crap that he found and yeah like you said a hubcap and then he pulls out a old street sign which is sunset boulevard yeah which is obviously a reference to the old film as well um and then suddenly two shoes show up in front of him and and, and you hear mcnulty say figure i'd find you out here and uh, mcnulty says you see the guardsman on your feet trooper and i love this jack goes x trooper i stand for no one mcnulty <laughs> i love that i stand for no one uh and, and then suddenly McNulty or Jack is given this like tube basically. And, 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 uh, and Jack's like, what's this? And he's like, it's a summons from the council. Uh, and he's like, you ignore that summons. It's the highest honor there is. You can't ignore it. And Jack's like, I find, I think I found, I think I found the old Chinese theater out there. I want another look before the storm comes in. And he starts to walk out into the ocean. And I, and love, McNulty, and I love how McNulty like follows, follows him, him like yeah. into the water fully. Like he's got his full, like his clothes on and everything. It's he's like walking very intensely. It's really cool. It's a, it, I didn't, it's a small moment, but I really liked it. Yeah. It's a great moment. Um, and this is the first of three moments where I'm like, Oh, PG 13, because McNulty goes, the council needs you. And he goes, fuck them. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, <laughs> shit. I love that. And yeah, when you mentioned earlier PG-13, I didn't even know this movie was PG-13. I assumed the entire time that it was R. I, I had no clue. But I love that. He delivers it with such gusto. He goes, fuck him. Yeah, he is. Ugh, Tim Thomerson is so good at just being hardened. It's so great. And so, yeah, McNulty's following him, following him into the ocean with his big suit on. And uh, Jack jumps into the water. And then McNulty yells out, Whistler's alive. And then suddenly Jack comes back out of the water, which I love. Yeah. And I'm with you, man. His, his, uh, like helmet thing or something was really cool looking. It's really cool. Um, and so from there you cut to the next scene, which is the, the council. I'm assuming it's like city hall, police station, whatever. Yeah. But it was, but it was definitely a miniature and a model at like the first shot before the the, Tim Thomerson and Art LaFleur like are walking up. There's like an establishing shot that is totally a miniature and a model. And I loved it for it. And I loved it because I could tell that it was a miniature. 
And that's totally full moon. Yeah. To- full yep. moon love their practical effects. They love their miniatures. They love that like Harryhausen style, which I'm, I love as well. Me too. And I think that's why both of us love robot jocks so much. Hell yeah. Robot jocks arena. And then there was another one, another robot, uh, uh crash and burn, movie. crash and burn. Yeah. That has, go. um, uh, chop top, uh, Mosley, uh, Bill Mosley's in it. Sure. It. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> Um, I saw that one. I didn't like Crash and Burn as much as, as I liked Robot Jocks. Yeah, Robot Jocks is like we got this right. Yeah, yeah. And we did. Then, we didn't uh, need another one. But I think I think Crash and Burn was Full Moon, whereas Robot Jocks was I right. I think Empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Guillermo del Toro, of course, saw them and he's like, I think I can do this even better. And he sort of did. I mean, I, I mean, sorta. I, I love Pacific Rim. Now, I'm not so saying it takes away anything from from Robot Jocks, but I love Pacific Rim. I'm, I'm. It's a big budget version of Robot Jocks. Basically. It really is. <laughs> basically, um, yeah. So, so what's interesting about this scene when they first pull up to this this council place? Um, I think it's the Balboa Dam in Sherman Oaks where they oh. filmed Escape from New York. It looks like that. I, I I didn't do a lot of background checking on the um actually, let me just look at it really quick. IMDB says Los Angeles, California. I'm gonna assume it's Balboa. Uh if you guys don't know where the dam is in Balboa, fun fact they used it for uh Ellis Island in Escape from New York, John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Yeah, so they go inside and they're in this big uh high ceiling uh council place and McNulty's walking him in and I love this line because McNulty's like looking uh uh Thomerson uh, death has to like go into this council meeting by himself and McNulty goes I'm not cleared to go any further. You behave yourself in there. And Jack goes, "Don't get pimpy with me, McNulty." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> And uh, and then he goes, you forgot something, smart guy. And he holds out his badge, and Jack takes the badge. Go into the council chamber, and there are two, there's blue neon lights everywhere. Yeah. Love it. The set design uh, is fantastic. So fucking good. And you guys <laughs> have to, it's so fucking good, and you guys have to remember that this is so low budget. It's so low budget. They're working with, like, practically nothing. Um, so with what they had then, it's, it blows me away. It blows me away. There are two council members sitting at this council table, I guess, above him. Uh, it's Ash and Spencer. Ash is a woman. Spencer's a man. And uh, Ash says, you know, she's like, welcome. They welcome him in. Uh, and then Jack says, I thought there were three of you. And then Spencer goes, well, Van Zant was murdered four days ago by Martin Whistler. And Jack says, then it's true. Whistler's alive. And Ash says, very much so. And he intends to kill us all as well. And by the way, how much do you love Spencer's jacket? Oh, again, the costumes, yeah. the set design. And to your so point, good. as far as like what the budget is, um, IMDb has it as estimated $400,000. That's it. <laughs> so nothing, absolutely nothing. So that right there, like set design is... Like, you have to have somebody good. Like, you have to, if you don't have the money to put into the set design, you have to pay, you have to get a good set designer, right? Pay them, and then they'll turn whatever crap they can find into something amazing like this, like the sets in this. Yeah, and to give you guys a sense of, like, what that means versus a movie like The Wraith, I think The Wraith had over a million-dollar budget, and this 400000 
for this movie. You know, that's nothing. No, that's really that, nothing. That's nothing. I mean, nowadays with inflation and everything, it would be around about about a million, I guess. So, but still, like a million dollar movie is nothing nowadays. Like that's the same as a four hundred thousand dollar movie back in the day. You can't make a movie for a million dollars. You just can't do it. No, you <laughs> unless can't. unless you're Charles Band and you're just good at making these low budget films. He knows what's up. You got to you got to give him credit, even if you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Jack's like, how how can Whistler get to you guys? This place is a fortress. And Ash is like, well, it might as well be made of paper. And he's like, I don't follow. Where is he? And Spencer says he's in Los Angeles. And Jack's like, no problem. We'll get the submarine fleet and blow him out of the water. <laughs> and Ash says, Whistler is not in the sunken ruins. He's fled to the thriving metropolis as it existed nearly 300 years ago. He's like, how can you be sure he's gone down the line? And I like that. I like how there's a term for time travel, and it's not time travel. Right? It's so cool. And at that point, uh, Spencer holds up like this blue plastic card. He puts it in this machine, and then uh, an image pops up of Whistler. And Whistler's creepy looking. Like we said in IMDb, he doesn't really show up. He hasn't really done a whole lot. Yeah. But he's creepy looking. Yeah. He's got and a good he's look. Very cold. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a really good look. And he and he says, you know, his image pops up and he goes, Greetings to the council. As you may have gathered, I survived the I survived the pathetic track set by Trooper Death on Mekon Seven. For twelve long years you've hunted my disciples like dogs. Now my day of vengeance has come. I have synthesized your time drug, and in a moment shall retreat down the dark corridor of history. Know that it is I who is solely responsible for your demise. One by one, your ancestors will be murdered, and you, their progeny, shall cease to exist. Then I shall return, join my legion, and claim the seat of power for my own. And then he motions with his hand. He goes, adieu. And as it cuts out, he goes, adieu. (laughs) It is... It is wild. <laughs> it's wild, but then I'm like, oh, there's there's the whole plot. There's yeah, your plot. That's okay, the plot, yeah. This is cool. It got set up. Bang, bang, boom, done. And then Spencer, it cut to Spencer after that, and he says, I was with Van Sant when it happened. The man simply vaporized, as did his poor children and grandchildren. I'm like, oh, back to the future. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, it came dude. Came out in 85. Yeah, dude, they, they're doing some cool shit with time travel in this movie. Um it's it's so simple, but yet it's it works so well. It really does. It really does. And uh, you know, Spencer is like, we monitored a line. Just oh, I just realized something, which is kind of weird. Okay, I'm just gonna say it now, and then we'll come back to it. Jack Death falls in love with Lena, right? Isn't Jack Death her child? Well. Because death on death on. Well, they do say him. later. They do say later that, or, or Whistler says, Phil Philip Death, whatever you know, not Jack Death, but you know his ancestor. They didn't have it. Um, is they're going to get married? To, he's going to marry Lena, and that's basically his. You know, Jack Death is the progen progeny of of Philip Death and Lena. But it's not incestuous because he's not. It's 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 like a gazillion grandparents away. You know what I mean? This is not Back to the Future, but clearly Back I'm just to the Future. It's not because they're so far away, and he's not boinking her with his penis. He's boinking her with Phil's penis. So you know, <laughs> true, true. 
True, but I just put that together now after the first time ever and just going, whoa, this is kind of weird. But anyways, we'll get to all that later, guys. It is the equivalent if you did go back in time and boink your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, you know? It is that, except he's in Phil's body and not in his own. From a thousand years ago. Exactly. So it doesn't really matter at that point. So incest is okay as long as it's a thousand years old. I think so. I think so. if there's time travel and yeah, I think that would be the classification. Like if it's like you're near your parent or your grandparent, that's bad. Anything past that, eh, it's a little gray. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, my 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 mom in caveman times was hot. <laughs> yeah, my Neanderthal mom was so hot and hairy. <laughs> Don't worry, it's all good. It's all good, baby. And dude, you know if there is time travel, that is that will be a fetish, like going back in time and fucking your family members. That will definitely be a fetish. <laughs> I hope you're isolating this and going to blast this all over social media. Blast it, baby. Blast it, baby. Anyways, um, yeah, so Spencer continues. He goes, uh, well, Jack asks a very good question. He goes, how do you know Whistler's location? And, and Spencer goes, well, we monitored a line distribute. We monitored a line disruption in Los Angeles, December 1985. I'm like, yes, I love it. Van Zant and I all had ancestors in the city then. And then Ash says, as did Whistler and yourself, of course. And Jack's like, me? Yes. Philip Dethon, a journalist. You'll be transferred to his body, allowing you to search for Whistler. Wait, was his his name Dethon? Dethon, yes. Okay, cool. I didn't, ah, shit, I should have watched it with subtitles, man. I well, told, I fun fact, up. there's no subtitles on this Great. thing. Great, I'm glad I didn't. So, so uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how long it took me to break this mofo down, but it was a really long time. <laughs> that's cool. I like the fact that his the name changed over time because that's another thing that happens as well, you know? Like, I mean, I guess if you, tra- you know, probably go back in time with my name, Steven Son, it was probably just what steve at some point i mean you know the scottish uh background or there was it was different than what it is now and i like the fact that i actually like him more now knowing that his his past name was death on and it just becomes death over time yeah and and spencer then says um that whistler went by the name of weaseling or weisling yeah or it's like Weisler or something. It was it's, again. It was cool because it was close. It's closer. Yeah, you can tell Weisling. how the name of evolved over time and changed. Yeah, yeah. And then they they reveal that Weisling was a police detective, and Jack's like, "Well, great." Um, cut from there. You cut to the the time lab, basically the place where they're gonna transfer his body, and um, you see the a woman in there, Reigns, Telma Hopkins, who you quickly find out that Jack had relations with uh, up to this point. They were boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. And Ash, like, because Ash introduces uh, death to Ruthie. And then Jack's like, oh, well, she goes, trooper death. This is engineer Reigns. And Jack's like, Engin- engineer, huh? When did you get promoted, Ruthie? And she's like, oh, ages ago. And so you realize they have this connection. Um, and so Spencer says she'll be the one administering the transference serum. And Jack says, you'll be in charge of my bones while I'm gone. And Ruthie goes, don't worry, Jack. I don't hold a grudge. <laughs> and she goes, we'll preserve your body in a suspension bubble like this one. And she shows over. She shows someone else in suspension. And who is it? But it's Whistler, which is a very cool twist. Yeah, he's right there. Much, much to Jack's chagrin. Yeah, Jack's like, it's Whistler. And she goes, it's just a shell, really. His consciousness is in 1985. And, she's, and he goes, well, right, but how'd you get a hold of the body? And she's like, well, 
And Ash says, our security forces found it hidden in the desert. We're keeping it for the trial. He's like, trial? You don't want to sin? You don't want Whistler singed? She goes, no. And Spencer goes, no, no. You're to capture Whistler and inject him with the serum antidote. His mind will return to Angel City, and he'll stand trial before the high court. And he goes, well, if you think I'm bringing that scum up the line for a trial, you get the wrong trooper. And that's, by the way, it's another phrase I like is up the line. I like down the line and up the line. I think that's such a cool way to do it. Like, just, ah, it's so cool. So cool, man. So cool. And a- Ash goes, she goes, unless you stop Whistler, everything the council has accomplished in the last 40 years will come to nothing. We'll be plunged into the same chaos that followed the great quake. You're our only hope, Luke Skywalker. Can, and I, it's- <laughs> can, can I do this part? Yeah, please. So then he goes, and I love this, dude. I love how fast he makes this decision. He goes, then it's on my terms. And then, boom, he pulls out his gun and just blasts Win- uh, Whistler's body, and it fucking explodes. Like, literally, no one has time to react. He does it like in like a, like a quick like draw type of thing. I loved how quickly he made that decision. The body explodes. You're right. Explodes. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, and, and Spencer's like, my God, what have you done? And Reigns is just like smiling. She goes, my, you haven't changed one bit. <laughs> <laughs> so you realize what, if, he, if he catches Whistler and sends him back, Whistler's just going to die. Well, I mean, as he says later, you oh, got no flesh in the future. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and then Jack, Jack goes, don't worry. Justice will be served. And then Spencer looks at Ash and says, you were wrong to insist on a trooper. And Ash is like, we have no choice. And uh, and then Spencer is like trying to get all uppity on Jack. He's like, "You, such conspicuous displays of firepower will not be tolerated. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're like, whatever. Because his laser pistol has been taken away. And this is like... Um, Escape from New York when Jack when uh, when when Snake gets his weapons because Rain starts showing him the weapons he's gonna get in Los Angeles in '85, and she goes, "This is a this is a 38 police special, a traditional firearm of the era." And what's cool about it, he goes, "Like, yeah, I've got one of those in my collection, but it's all rusted out." <laughs> and she goes, "Well, careful, that grip's been modified." And she opens up, slides open the grip, which is so cool. It's been hollowed out. And inside the grip are these two green little vials with needles on them. And she goes, these are two injectors of antidote, one for you and one for Whistler. And then she pulls out a wristwatch. He's like, I got an old watch. And she goes, not like this one. If you press this knob, you'll gain a long second. I love that. fact. I love that, by the way. Just the phrasing of that. You'll gain a long second. I'm I'm not going to reveal it on fully with with you guys you'll have to listen to the wrap-up but Corey knows what i'm talking about i added this to the thing i was telling you about yeah 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 Yeah. of course i did so you'll gain a long second she and he goes he goes what and she goes one second stretched to 10 for the person holding the for the person holding the device or about two minutes uh (laughs) yeah pretty much while you have yeah because if you really track this it's a lot longer While you have complete freedom of movement, the rest of the world will appear stopped. How cool is that? Uh, it is cool, except it, the, the world isn't stopped. It's slowed down, um, yes. which I wish she would have actually just said that. Uh, but yeah, I love I love what it does, and I love everything about it. And then, of course, Tim Thomerson being Tim Thomerson, he's got a great one-liner. He's like, I could have used this on our last date. Let's try it. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no. It has a single-use generator. 
When the long second runs down, the watch will dissolve. As Reigns, uh, you know, gets him ready for everything, Ruthie, Spencer approaches Jack with some photos. And he says, he gives them to Jack. He goes, this is my ancestor. And it's uh, it's like a young hunky boy on a, on a young hunky boy in a photo. <laughs> and he goes, his name and location are written on the back. Protect him, please. Nope. And then Ash, <laughs> I love this. Uh, uh, Jack's like, what about your ancestor? And she gives him an old baseball card from the Los Angeles Angels. And he goes, and he's looking at the card. He's like, Hap Ashby, 1963 Angels? What the hell is this? <laughs> she goes, I'm afraid it's the best I could do. All I know is that he was in Los Angeles in 1985. <laughs> and Jack goes, oh, swell. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I just, I, I love like that old lingo. And so uh, they get him ready for the table. He's getting ready to be plunged into the past. Uh, she has a, like a little injector on his neck, just like Escape from New York. And then suddenly he's blasted into 1985 and he's looking at himself in the mirror without his slicked back hair. Without a scar. And covered in shaving cream. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook. This is Charlie with Give Me Back My Action Movies. And Dan. Join us every two weeks as we dive into the classic action movies of the 80s and 90s. That's right, Charlie. But we also take a look at some of the current films out there that still has those nostalgic feels for us. Exactly. So make sure you find us on all your major podcasting platforms. And check us out over on Facebook. We have a group where the conversation's always going 24-7. We're having a good time. I think so. I'll be back. And now, back to the show. I love what they do with the time travel here. On one hand, you have movies like Back to the Future, Terminator, stuff like that, where they really try to figure out how time travel works and everything, and it's it's very tech-based. Here, it's literally he just he's his consciousness is going to go back into like his his ancestor. So you don't really need any kind of you know crazy production, and it's actually a really cool edit because it just goes he gets stabbed in the neck. You see you see him in the future, and then all of a sudden you like you hear the noise and he ah and he's 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 just there. We and him are now back in 1984. You know, and it's simple. I was like that is so. It's so economic, it, 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 but it also works, like, story-wise. Like, it just, it works. And then I realize, I'm like, I don't think I need, like, elaborate explanations about time travel. Like, this just works. Just make it happen. And then there's no problem about sending shit back in time for him. And I don't need explanations. Like, they, they send stuff back in time, like his his pistol and his, um, his watch in this black box. And they can kind of keep sending him stuff in these little black boxes. And I'm just like... 
this works for me. I don't need like some kind of crazy elaborate scheme or all kinds of like rules. Like, oh, it's like Terminator where metallic things can't go back in time. So they have to be all, you know, it's covered. The robots are covered in skin and you have to be naked. No, there's no rules. It doesn't. And then you're just like, you know what? Like all those rules do is just bog you down here. You know, it's like, boom, it's just like, who cares? Here's a little box, your stuff. It just appears. It's there. And by the way, guys, We've already, we're out of the future. This movie is an hour and 16 minutes long. We spent 16 minutes in the future. We have a cool hour in 1984, and that's it. That's all we got. A very cool hour. But I, I will point out something you just said, uh, which piggybacks on the latest discussion we had with the BFOP network in regards to the, the newest Ghostbuster movie that had come out. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's super nitpicky over certain continuity or storylines. This is a perfect example of what I was talking about. A, a lot of people love this movie, myself included. And there's a lot of things that you could pick apart. And like, well, why didn't this happen? Or why did that happen? And, you know, wait, he's falling in love with himself, but with his, with his grandmother from way back when. But we don't care. It's just fun. Yeah. So my whole point is like, just have fun. It's all yeah. good. It's yeah, but- not that big of a deal. But I will be pointing out some of the stuff that I noticed that are kind of wonky in here. Just just for fun. Just for shits and giggles. Yeah. And for me, like, the flaws do not hurt this movie in the very least for myself. And and, and pointing out flaws isn't something that I'm trying to do to make you like something less. But, you know, if we're going to break down a movie and go through it scene by scene, we're going to call out the weird shit, too. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt. So... What's great is like he's looking at himself in the mirror like, what the hell? You know, this is this is me. And then you cut to Helen Hunt. He's in the bathroom. You cut to a woman uh, from behind topless and uh, looking out the window. So whoever is looking at her from her loft in Los Angeles is seeing her <laughs> totally naked. Uh, it's Helen Hunt. And she's putting on a leotard. Great. <laughs> I'm like, OK, quintessential ladies. And she's like, you okay in there? And uh, Jack's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And he's wiping off the shaving cream, which is really funny. He wipes off all the shaving cream so he's got his 5 o'clock shadow because that's like his signature look. Which, no joke, him and Don Johnson crock it on Miami Vice. I patent the fact that I have like a 5 o'clock shadow and won't go any longer than that because of Tim Thomerson and Don Johnson. Nice. Fun fact. Nice. (laughs) So, yeah, right after that happens, he... The, the this pink like neon thing appears in front of him in the bathroom and it's the, the metal box he opens it up it's got the gun in it it's got the watch in it and it's got the two photographs it's cool it's it's a it's a time capsule that was sent back in time it's yeah. awesome and yeah i got no problem with it yeah so uh this is lena uh helen hunt's character and she's yelling at jack not yelling at him but she's like hey i gotta go i'm gonna be late it's after 8 30 you know he's like okay yeah i'm on my way he comes out of the bathroom, and he's just kind of like sussing out the whole place because he's yeah. obviously new in this body, yeah. new in 1985, freaking out a little bit, like, what the hell? Where am I right now? You know? And it's and it's fun business that he's, he's doing as an actor in this scene right here. Oh, yeah, it's great. So she, you know, she she's putting her clothes on, and she puts on a Santa hat, Santa outfit. There's your first Christmas reference mm-hmm. of the movie. And she's like, we got to hurry, you know, don't you think? He's like, oh, uh, yeah, because he's trying to play off like cool. He's trying to be cool with her because obviously they have his uh, his his Philip body has a relationship with Lena. And uh, and he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, right. 
and and he goes into the 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 closet of Phil and everything just falls out and he goes oh you're a real slob Phil and Lena's like a what and he goes oh this closet's really filled <laughs> and then Lena goes did you mean what you said last night and he's Jack's like looking in the closet for clothes to put on he goes oh oh yeah sure um what did I say she said, come on, you said that making love with me was like the ethereal union of two lost souls. And Jack's like, I bet it was. <laughs> and she goes, huh? He goes, I mean, lost souls. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then he's going looking. He uh, he pulls open the, the drawer to the dresser looking for whatever socks, I guess. And inside the dresser drawer is like tons of photos of women, which basically plays off the fact that this guy Philip is a player. Yeah, yeah. And, and I uh, like the fact that Jack Death didn't know how to open the the, the dresser drawer right away. You know, he yeah. kind of fumbles with it for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He, like it's one of those IKEA under the under the lip kind of things yeah. you pull out. And uh, and he goes, "Man, this guy's a real shark." And she's like, and then Lena's like, oh, "I can't wait till Christmas is over so I can dump this stupid outfit." And uh, and then Jack's like totally ignoring what she says. And he goes, do you know, uh, he pulls out the photo that one of the photos that he got uh, from Spencer of his ancestor with the address on it. And he goes, do you know where um, Kahunja, Kahunga, Kahunja Boulevard is? And she goes, what? He's like, Kawakuahuna. And she goes, Kawanga? It's two blocks from here. Quit screwing around. Come on. We got to get out of here. Dude, my, when my mom came to visit me in L.A., our our conversation was exactly the same. She was trying to pronounce Kawanga, and I was like, what? What are you trying to say? She's like, Kahunga or something. I was like, Kawanga? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I love it. It's hilarious. Uh, on uh, old school on Waze, uh, when you drive around in L.A., it would say, instead of saying Sepulveda, it would say Sepulveda. Yep, Sep- Sepulveda or something like that. Yeah, I or know. Wilshire. I remember that. Yeah. Wilshire instead of Wilshire. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's like, she's like, come on, can we, can we get out of here? It's like, yeah, yeah. Just let me grab a coat. So he pulls out this old, he pulls out a trench coat because that's his style. And she's like, you're wearing that? He goes, yeah, I like it. <laughs> and she's like, okay, come on, come on. We got to go. I'm going to lose my job. And he's like looking around. He's looking at himself in the mirror. Cause he's got no product in his hair. No, so, it's, it's, so, it's lifeless. It's down. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's down. And, and so he looks around on the counter and he sees like a bottle of cologne and then what I, I think is like, I think it's hair gel, but maybe not. I think it might be something else. Yeah. But he squeezes it out and he puts it in his hair to slick his hair back. And then and he wipes his hands off on like the edge of the, the, the dresser, you know? Yeah. And she goes, what are you doing? And that's when he goes, dry hairs for squids. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to say at the beginning. <laughs> So, yeah, he he wipes it off, and he's like, let's go. And as they're walking out, she's like, you know, you seem like an okay guy last night. <laughs> yeah. And then you cut to the next scene. So, first off, I love this apartment. It, yeah, me too. I want that apartment. It's up there with, oh, man, the 80s movies had such great apartments. I was thinking about some of the ones that we've reviewed that I've loved. Um, the, the, the Ninja three, the domination apartment was pretty fucking awesome. Um, we saw some really cool apartments in, uh, I think vice squad had a cool apartment. Uh, we saw cool apartments in, um, uh, dark angel, AKA I come in peace. Um, but it looks like 
it looks like an old office that they they basically set design to make it look like an apartment, which is so fucking cool, man. But I will say, man, looking out where she was like standing, looking out the window, um, I hazard a guess to say that was possibly Hill Street. I used to live uh, down by USA, essentially. Um, I used to live and work on Washington and Hill, uh, which is right at the bottom of of like downtown, um, and it's like right over by the Staples Center. So I could totally tell like where she was and where she was looking. And to me, it looked like it was probably if you just keep going down like Hill Street or something, just keep going maybe like a, a you know 10, 15 blocks or something, and that's where it is but i was like i totally recognize that as like southeast la you know yeah yeah and they they i get the sense that they filmed all over the place uh for certain scenes because towards the end towards the end of the movie what's supposed to be chinatown is probably just some alleyway yeah uh, yeah but that's fine yeah again low budge yeah, and and because I think this next scene they might be in the valley in, at a mall. The, the next scene look definitely looks valleyish. Yeah, because they are at a shopping mall. Yay for shopping malls! Yay for and, Christmas time! Right, this sweet like old old school convertible T bird pulls into the parking lot and it's like peeling around corners and it rips into a parking spot and it's Jack with Lena and Jack's driving. He's like, "Oh, I love this car." <laughs> She's like, "I <laughs> and bet I love you the, do." Yeah. And I love the way he's holding the steering wheel. He's like gripping it throughout this whole movie. It's really funny to watch him because clearly he's not driving this car because he's moving the steering wheel. Like it's really hilarious. Oh buddy. I'm going to call that out when, when it, when it happens because it's the most extreme driving in a straight line (laughs) that I've ever seen. Um, But here, but here, Tim Thomerson and Helen Hunt are actually in the car. Like the, 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 what Zach is referring to is not this scene. They are, he's actually driving this scene right here. It's, it's later when, when the camera's like on it, but at the same time, it's like, man, he's peeling around that corner. And those, both of your stars in the movie nowadays, those, that would have been a stunt driver. Oh yeah, totally. Would all been like CGI or whatever too. So exactly. Uh, so yeah, she gets out of the car and she's like storms off after, and he's like, "Hey, wait a minute!" And he kind of walks off after her. He's very aggressive with her. Yeah, he, yeah. He's like, yeah. He like grabs her arm and he goes, "Am I gonna see you tonight?" <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> and she like, uh, you know, basically gets away from him and walks off to her job, and uh, and then he. Kim keeps going back after her and he's like, what did I do wrong? And she's like, I don't know. Maybe you're a schizo or something. He's like, what do you mean? And she's like, last night you said you grew up in LA. Today you can't find Coenga Boulevard. You put that shit in your hair and you can't even remember my name. And then they get to the mall and it's inside the mall and it's the Santa display with Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus (laughs) yells out. She's like, Lena. And Jack goes, Lena. Your name is Lena. <laughs> and I, my favorite line is when she's like kind of walking away and she's like, did I give you my phone number? And he was like, no. And she's like, good. <laughs> and walks yes. away. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so now she's at North Pole at the, uh, the Santa's Village at the mall. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The same deal. And Mrs. Claus is giving her shit. She's like, where have you been? All these people want pictures. And she's like, sorry, this is funny. So this little kid comes up to Santa's lap. Little, little kid wants a fucking Transformer Decepticon. I, I, wrote down, I wrote down like the way he said it, too. And the little kid's sitting in on Santa's lap, and he looks up at Lena, who's supposed to be Santa's helper. 
And he goes, how come you got blue hair? Because, yes, she has this cool blue streak in her hair. Yeah, no, it's it's cool, but it's really subtle. I almost didn't even see it until the kid called it out. And I think maybe back then it was that was probably more extreme, you know. But nowadays, man, we see people in L.A. with totally like all blue hair. And it just it didn't it just seemed a lot more subtle than than I think that they then the movie made it out to be, you know. Well, I will say as somebody who put a red streak in his hair back in the early 2000s, I got called out for that a lot from people. They're like, you have a red streak in your hair? And I didn't think it was that noticeable. But the people are like, why do you have that in your hair? I'm like, why do you care? Yeah, why does, it, why does that offend you? Yeah, My, what, is, what is wrong with you? I've I've had I've had rat, a rat tail when I was a kid. I've had a mullet when I was a kid. I've shaved my head in high school because of uh, the collector, aka Billy Zane, in uh, in Demon Knight. And I had frosted tips when the uh, hair grew back out. And uh, yeah, yeah. And now I don't have much hair anymore. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, to all that, I say bravo. And man, I remember. I remember being uh, going home back to Michigan to visit my, my, my family and my dad's side in the summertime and having a rat tail or having longer hair. And they're like, what are you, a girl? Yeah. What are you, a girl? Having an earring. What are you, a girl? And I'm like, really? If you think of – man, you know, that was the f- funny thing. Uh, the, the 80s were so close-minded. As, mu- as much as I love – the art and aesthetic of the 80s, the political perspectives, the uh, just ge- like gender perspectives were so trapped in such a dated time. I, so, I was ugh, traumatized uh, by my dad uh, when I was like fucking five or six. My, my sister painted my nails, and when my dad came home, I was excited to show him. Like, I ran up to him and be like, oh, check this out. And he fucking tore me a new asshole verbally, you know. Like, oh, what are you, little F-word, you know, this and that. And now, as I'm 43 years old, I don't have any tattoos. But one thing that I've – and I barely tell anybody this. uh, I've only just recently told my wife this. I've always wanted to like paint my nails black. I I I, I don't have like a very punky vibe. You you know yeah. me, Zach. I'm I'm yeah. kind of not really punky. I don't have like a lot of tattoos or anything like that. But I've always thought like like I just wanted to do like my thumb or something, you know. But I fucking can hear my fucking dad in my head, you know, yelling at me at 43. So yeah. like that shit stuck with me my entire fucking life. Yeah, I hate it. I hate that close close mentality. Uh, Bodie painted his nails at summer camp this this summer, and I was a bunch of the kids did. There was one kid who had like really bright paint on his fingernails, and I thought it was so cool. And I kept pointing out to everybody how cool I thought it was. So next thing you know, all the other boys were coming up, going, "I want my nails painted." And we had a day where we painted everybody's nails. I mean, you know, dude, like who cares? I mean, and also it's like it's fucking rock and roll, man. Like all rock, rock stars have roll. their fucking nails painted. Oh my so god. It's, I mean, dude, not nobody can mess you up like a like parents, man. Fucking parents. I, I feel you. I feel you. I remember when I would I covered up my tattoos whenever I went to go visit my dad because I was afraid of what they'd say. I remember my stepmom going watching an NBA game and going, "Look at all those tattoos. What does he get out of prison?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, 
I know. so close-minded. I, I can't wait until the day when we have, like, our first senator or congressman or woman with, like, full arms, sleeve. sleeve tattoos, you know? And, yeah. hey, maybe we do, and they just cover them. I, I don't know. But it's going to happen because all the, the old guard will eventually die off, and everybody young has fucking tattoos except for me, so. Yeah, I'd like to see just more acceptance overall. How me about too. that? Just so, in general, yeah. yep. Yes. But, uh, yeah, Lena with her faint blue hair. Uh, the kid goes, how come you got blue hair? And she goes, because it's cold at the North Pole. <laughs> and Santa Claus is like, oh, oh, oh. And the Mrs. Claus goes, pull your cap down. She's a bitch. And uh, and so Santa's just like laughing at the whole thing. He's like, what do you want for Christmas? And he goes, the kid goes, uh, I'll miss her potato head, a hungry, hungry hippo. Uh, John Doe, the mandroid. <laughs> I'm like, John Doe, the mandroid. Which, which he says twice. He does. He does. And then Le- and then Jack goes up to Lena. He's like, Lena, I need to talk to you. And she's like, not now. He's like, listen, I'm not crazy. I just need your help. Because she's from, she's in she's like still in the, the, the Christmas scene, but on the outside of where Santa is talking to this kid. Cut back to the kid. He's like, and a distri- uh, Transformer. He goes, Transformer, that Decepticon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like the writers didn't know any of the Decepticons' <laughs> no. names. So they were just like <laughs> And then he goes back to John Doe the Mandroid. Yeah. I'm like, John Doe the Mandroid. <laughs> back to John Doe the Mandroid. He kid really wanted that one. And then he goes <laughs> he goes, and new slot cars because my stupid sister busted my old one. And hey, hey Santa. And after he said slot cars, I'm like, oh, I used to love slot cars, by the way. I was just going to ask you, did you have a slot car track back in the day? I did. And on Facebook, I think uh, there's a picture of me at a slot car, like at a hobby shop where the slot car races were. And I used to race my slot car there. And then you could rent a slot car for the day. Slot cars were fun, dude. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Love that shit, man. So much fun. Yeah. I love all that shit. From Tycho. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So San- Santa's like kind of drifting off, not listening to the kid. And the kid's like, hey, Santa, are you listening? And then suddenly Santa just gets up and like throws the kid onto the the, the cotton, cotton yeah. snow. <laughs> yeah, the cotton snow. And the kid's like, hey. And Mrs. Claus goes, what's wrong with Murray? And then Jack goes, he's a trancer. And the music just kicks in. <laughs> and Lena's like, a what? <laughs> And I love when and, the little kid does run, like he gets up and runs, because he pushes the little fence down. It's uh, it's yeah, kind of yeah. cute. I'm not going to lie. It's, oh, this kid's great. Yeah. And he has a great line in a minute. Uh, because, yeah, so Santa, like, gets up, rips his beard off. And when he does, he's covered in, like, those sores on his face. And he looks he, all kind of gross, kind zombified. of zombified. He's zombified, yeah. yep. At that point, the, the, the Santa starts going for Murray. And they start battling each other and start fighting. And Lena's like, Phil, my God, what are you doing? And Mrs. Claus goes, one of your friends. And then she calls security. She's like, security, we've got trouble at the North Pole. So there's <laughs> a lot of tongue-in-cheek here. A lot of tongue-in-cheek yeah. here, which I love. And then there, Santa's like battling him with a giant uh, candy cane. And then he throws a nutcracker on top of him, basically destroying the Santa set. And they kind of keep cutting to like everyone watching. And there's these two kids, these two boys. They have the biggest fucking grins on their pay, on their face because, yeah, you and I, wouldn't we totally be like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah, th- this this to me at this moment, I was like, this is amazing. And 
it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, he's fighting so there Santa you go. Claus. There he's you go. fighting Santa. Jack Death is fighting Santa Claus. It doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, so they're battling back and forth. Santa rips antlers off the uh, uh, off the Santa's village or whatever, and tries to use antlers on Jack. And then a, a security guard shows up and pulls a gun out on on both of them. And Santa grabs the gun out of the security guard's hand and starts shooting at Jack. And then that's when Jack pulls his gun out and shoots Murray, a.k.a. Trancer, and kills him. Yeah. One shot, like right to the One chest. One shot. Yeah. And then they cut back to the kid that was sitting on Santa's lap. And he like, out of the side of his mouth, he goes, hey, mom. He shot Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, his delivery is awesome. Oh, man. And then after that, the uh, Murray's laying out dead on the ground. You think he's dead on the ground. And then he starts talking. But he's not talking in Murray's voice. He's talking in Whistler's voice. And Whistler says, welcome to the 20th century, Jack Death. And it's cool because, like, Murray's mouth isn't moving, but you could tell it's coming out of, like, his open mouth, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And then he, then he's completely dead. At that point, Jack grabs Lena and says, you're coming with me. And she's like, uh, no way, <laughs> which is really believable. He's like, come on, move. And they, as they're leaving the mall, yeah, uh, so this, I, like, hair metal couple. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I really like this. So, like, me he's, too. He, he does grab Lena and kind of puts the gun, you know, I mean, he's being a little bit aggressive. But as he's, like, sort of dragging her away, this, like, hero couple tries to actually come up and, and help. But Jack, you know, kind of pulls the gun on him. They, they kind of stop in their tracks and, and back away. And I was like, you know what? You didn't need this scene, like, at all. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't need that little moment. But I liked it because it made the co- the, the biker the, the or the rocker, whatever you just said they were, the couple. I was like, that's it was a cool little human moment, you know? Yeah, he he's like a hair metal dude and she's like a punk rocker. And, that's, and Jack points the gun at him and he goes, don't piss me off. I love yeah. that. But it's cool. I, I like that they tried to actually help Lena, you know? Yeah, I love it, too. Because at this point now, Lena's feeling like she's being kidnapped by some maniac. Of course. Right? I mean, and, and and that's what it looks like to everybody else. Exactly. So from there, you cut. They, they leave. And you cut back to North Pole. The cops have now shown up. Um, Detective Lopez is there uh, with, with uh, sorry, Officer Lopez is there with Detective Whistler. Uh, Whistler is kind of like looking at the body, surveying it, and he says to uh, the paramedics, "He's like, get this, get this thing out of here now." Well, he uh, so he looks at the body, and then you see it do, do the the burn up thing, the scorch thing, and the body bag shrinks, and then he tells the paramedics to go take the take this thing away, but you can see that it's it's just an empty body bag on a gurney, and I'm like, uh. Okay. 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 Just moving on. Just gonna just gonna call it out like we called out the intruder stuff and gonna just move on with it. Yeah, I guess the you know the inept medics are not even gonna look at the fact that there's no body in the bag now at this point because I, Murray was like 300 pounds and this 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 thing is flat. But whatever. But yeah. When when the movie is an hour and 16 minutes, there is no fat on this film at all. 
And yeah, it's just you gotta just move on and not worry about it at yeah, all. Our our breakdown will be twice as long as the oh, movie of course. Oh, it, it already so, is. It's already yeah. longer than the movie itself. <laughs> it's hilarious. So at this point, you don't know. All you know is that there's this police officer there with this detective. You don't know who the detective is yet. And the detective says to Mrs. Claus, he's like, you know, can I ask you a few questions? And he, and he introduces himself. He goes, I'm Detective Weasling. And that's when it cuts. And you're like, oh, shit, that's yeah. the guy. That's the guy, which is perfect. Cut back to Jack and Lena in the T-Bird driving down the road. You want to describe the way uh, Jack Death is driving this car? So they are driving down a straight road through like I, it's L- like wilshire or yeah. santa monica yeah but Boulevard. it's very straight it's very straight and clearly you know the camera's on the front of the hood so the car is probably being or it is it's being towed you, you guys and gals are pretty much y'all know how this works you know but tim tim thomerson is driving that steering wheel like he's like in a in a formula one racer he's making left turns right turns that steering wheel could be fucking spinning 360 for all i know it's just he is going wild on it and you can just see in the background they're just going in a straight line and i was like these are the things that it's really funny you love it for you know these are the these i mean it's a b movie this movie is a b movie it's a four hundred thousand dollar film it's a b fucking movie it's fun but it's still a b movie you know he's driving it like you know those those uh in front of the grocery stores those little cards you put a quarter in and sit in the thing he's driving in like the steering wheel you can turn it as much as you want and it doesn't do anything yeah that's what he's doing with the steering wheel he's driving (laughs) like like the drivetrain is is broken essentially (laughs) it's really power steering yeah really power steering exactly really funny because anyone who knows who's had a car like that you know it's really hard to turn the steering wheels on those things yeah yeah it's really hilarious it's funny to me it's like it's distracting but not in a bad way so apparently they filmed this during the um the olympics that happened in la oh, yeah, it makes sense and uh and so apparently i guess back then i guess when the olympics happened a lot of people got out of town because they assume you know probably assumed that traffic was going to be bad and everything um so they said that actually traffic was really really easy and light during when they were filming these because so many people were out of town and now the olympics are coming to la again in a couple years or something so it's interesting that it's coming back around um but i'm curious to see like is there going to be another mass exodus of of people um, from L.A.? The only time I ever see that is if you're in L.A. during, like, holiday times, like Christmas yeah. and stuff, it's pretty barren because it's such a, a town where people, like, leave to go see family and stuff that during the holidays, man, it is it is barren. It's great driving on those roads, on the 10 and everything. Yeah, and when Corey says barren, it's pretty much – the, the the highest amount of traffic every other city would have. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> so, if you but if you saying. live in LA, you you know what barren means. It's still a yeah, normal yeah. amount of traffic. Yeah, totally. <laughs> instead of going tw- instead of taking two hours to go twelve miles, it might take you ninety minutes. So there yeah. you go. Hey, yeah. thirty minutes you just saved. Win. <laughs> yes, indeedy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Jack is trying to explain to Lena what's going on, right? And she's like, All right, let's say I believe all this shit. You're a cop from the future, and you're chasing this guy, Piper Whistler. <laughs> I like that, by the way. It's, it's, yeah, it's like a Pied Piper type of thing. I, I, I do. I think it's a Pied Piper reference. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And she's like, "Why doesn't he turn on? Why doesn't he turn you into one of those zombies or me?" He goes, "You're too tough." She's like, "Tough? 
Trancing only works on squids. <laughs> People with weak minds, easily controlled. Lena, I won't get anywhere without a guide. She goes, are you crazy? You killed Murray. He goes, has Murray ever turned yellow and gone after someone like he went for me? She goes, of course not. He goes, I haven't that much time. At least take me to Coenga Boulevard. She goes, if I get you a map, will you let me go? He goes, a map's not enough. I'm from another world, another time. I don't even know what you people eat for lunch. That's cool. Which I, I like that. Cool. And, in, yeah. and you know, when you think about it, he is from another world, like, because in their world, there are other worlds that you can go to and everything. It's just, it's interesting. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And she's like, okay, okay, where in Coenga? He's, you know, he, and so he goes, wait, he goes, you'll help me? Oh, swell. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I don't want to see that gun in my face again ever. And he goes, okay, fine. Back to the North Pole. Now Whistler or Weisler, Weisling. Uh, finishes interviewing everybody and he goes over to Officer Lopez and he goes, I found this lying or oh sorry. Uh the Lopez walks over to Whistler and says, I found this lying over there. You could by the way in the in the previous scene, Tim Thomerson was like, Where's that picture? Because he was trying to get the exact yeah, it's, yes. it's just yeah, it was real quick. He's like, Where's yeah, that he, picture? And then it cuts to uh Lopez basically finding the picture in the fake snow taking it over to uh, Winsler or whatever his name is. And the only reason I sort of, it's, it's burned in my brain is because when Lopez is standing next to Whistler, this is when Lopez does a lot of face acting when he doesn't have anything to say. And so that's the only reason I sort of remember it, you know? Well, it, it's important to note because, because Lena's like, okay, so where are we going? You know, right. and, and, and he doesn't have the photo. And yeah, Weisling and Lopez with his facial, facial expressions find the photo and they know where to find um, Spencer's ancestor. So Jack and Lena do end up finding this place. It's called the Tropical Tube Tan, the Chris Lavery method. <laughs> the Chris Lavery method. There's a signage lit that's a, that says that whole thing. And she goes, is this it? So that's, a, that's where uh, some of that $400,000 went to making that sign. I guess so. And he goes, he goes, Lavery, Chris Lavery. Yeah, yeah. And then he gets kind of nice with Lena. He goes, I just want to say again that you're not, look, you're not my prisoner. I'm not going to force you to stick around, but I appreciate you waiting for me. And she goes, relax, Phil. And he goes, Jack, Phil stepped out. Yeah. I, by the way, I love this, this little exchange where he's just like, I'm on level with you. You're not a prisoner. Like, I'm not holding you here. You can leave and you can do whatever you want, you know? Yeah, I like he's that. Yeah, re- He's really cool. Like he's, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not blowing smoke up his ass. Like he's really cool. He's really sincere. Like Tim Thomerson has a sincerity about him that I don't think you often see. Like either, either some guy's really intense and heavy or he's really light and mellow and some, he's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. My, I also enjoy in this scene, uh, seeing the cop stopping traffic down Coanga for the filming. <laughs> it's like at the, oh, that's at, funny, at really? the stoplight. That's, that's like only like probably about 45 uh, yards down the, down the road. Uh, and you can see the cops like holding up the, uh, holding up the traffic. That's but hilarious. Again, doesn't matter guys and gals. It's an hour and 16 minutes. It's just, they're, they're just, they are barreling to the climax here. They are just running. They are, yeah. I so, wouldn't, and I wouldn't be surprised if the the shoot for this was probably like two weeks, dude. It was yeah. probably fourteen days, right? So, uh, so Jack gets out of the car, goes into the, the tanning salon, and you see Lena staying there for the moment. Goes into the tanning salon, and this dude is like working out uh, in front of the counter, 
And he goes, you Chris Lavery? And the guy's like, in person. Uh, he goes, nice tan. It's very Christmassy. And so that apparently in the documentary thing, that is a direct reference line to some film noir uh, movie that they that the writers were kind of like, you know, drawing from, inspiration from. And that line, uh, nice tan, very Christmassy, is a direct line from another one of those movies. I think it might have been one of the movies that he watches later, you know. He's watching Peter Gunn later, the TV series. OK, yeah. OK. Yeah, no, it's totally. I think it's exactly. Yeah, it, it's a great line. It is. Line. It is a great line. And man, did you see the wicked scar on that guy's shoulder? I wrote it down. I noted it. Yeah, because because the guy walks over behind the counter to help him out, Chris Lavery, and he's got this yeah huge like road rash scar on his shoulder. It's really weird. Yeah, is that is that what you think that is, or is it maybe it's a burn or surgery? But I, don't I mean, know. it is a massive, massive scar. It's and gross. And I don't know if we called this guy out in um in the beginning, but this dude's been working, man. He he's been on a bunch of stuff too, a lot of TV stuff and everything thing but he's also uh still working yeah you'll recognize this guy he's a total character actor yeah uh and he's funny because he goes he goes uh after he compliments his tan he goes oh thanks now what will it be the tube tan and 10 or the tropic tan and 20 <laughs> and jack's like huh he goes you need color go for the 20 and jack's like save the hard sell i'm a cop yeah and, and just, real quick goes, i just want to say his name is michael mcgrady and he's been in like ray donovan and whatnot Oh, nice. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. And then you cut quickly back to Lena in the car. She slides over to the driver's seat and she takes off. She's like, fuck this noise. Yes. I don't blame her. I'm, she's 22 years old. I don't blame 22. her either. Yeah. Yeah. And Lavery's, and cut back to the tanning salon. Lavery's like, is this about that guy last week? Hey, he screwed with the thermo setting. Anyway, it was just first degree burns. And Jack's like, that's just. not what I'm here. I got to, he goes, I got to be, pl- I got to be blunt, pal. Someone's going to try and kill you. And Lavery's like, oh, come on. And he goes, and he'll succeed if you don't fall under my protection. And then Lavery's like, you're serious. And Jack goes, yeah. He goes, okay, well, we better talk back in my office. And so th- that's when I noticed the scar, too, when they went started walking towards the back. Yeah, it's when he as walks so- out from around the counter. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as they walk around the co- counter, it's really creepy and weird because Jack's in front of him. Uh, and Jack turns around to look at Chris and Chris Lavery drop kicks him with this big old kick uh, and knocks him out. And he's and he's zombified, man. Like you can yeah. see it. Like they they even put the makeup on his legs too, on his on his short 1984, you know, uh, basketball shorts from back in the day where he is all leg. You know, he yeah, he's all, is all legs and all they act, leg and they actually all mutated. and they actually like put some makeup on it. You know, um, my only takeaway is. How did Whistler take over him if he if he just found out who he was like movie wise? You got to figure it was probably about thirty minutes ago. Can like see? I mean, you could say Whistler can do it over. You know, we never see how Whistler takes these people over, so we don't really quite know. Um, so does he? Can he take them over from a distance? You know, but it's it it, it was a little bit wonky that like Whistler just found out who he was, and then now this guy's a, a trancer. Yeah, because it doesn't track later when he is in front of Hal with if if he can like once he knows your location he can trance you. Yeah. Well, you've got to be weak minded. So maybe Hal wasn't weak minded. You know? But yeah. it, it, it maybe all he needs is a location, like he's a GPS inside his body or whatever. And and I got no problem with that. It's just we don't know though. You know, like no, the movie we don't did, know. doesn't tell us. 
We don't know, unfortunately. Um, and we if, never if anything, know. I would have liked to have just saw a shot of, you know, maybe Whistler sitting in the passenger seat of the of a of a police cruiser with like his eyes rolled back white or something, so you know that he was controlling this guy from a distance. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen just something like that. But again. There's a lot of funky stuff in this movie, but it just goes by so quick. You have no time to think about it at all because they are on to the next thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, because the next thing is Jack inside this tanning salon. Inside the Death Star? (laughs) Yeah, which looks like the walls of the Death Star, totally. Uh, And he's getting burned alive, basically, a la uh, the, the dude in prison. And he's, yeah, it's getting hot. And uh, and then Lena comes back. She comes back with the car. She goes into the tanning salon looking around. She sees Lavery dead on the bo- on the floor. He, he shot his own. He killed himself. Like, he, he did what he was supposed to do. And then I guess Whistler just told him to kill himself because he fucking blew his own brains out. Yeah, and his, his body vaporizes and zaps away. And uh, she starts yelling for Jack. And then she sees a surfboard jammed into one of the tanning salon doors. She pulls the surfboard off and Jack falls out. And she's like, oh, God, don't be dead. And I love this because Jack goes, how's my tan? (laughs) That's the cheesy uh, shit that's cool, though. That's the cheesy shit that I love. Dude, I love it. It's great. You you know what I don't love? The Confederate flag on the back of her jacket. Dude, I know. I'm like, wait, what? We're gonna get there in a second. And, and so, this is and this is from somebody who grew up watching Dukes of Hazard, and I love the General Lee. But nowadays, eh, I don't really. Well, you know. In 1984, 85, it it was it was totally accepted. Uh, it was accepted. You know. Doesn't make it right though, but it was accepted. No, no, it was very mainstream though. It was very mainstream. A lot of things that are are were not are not considered okay now were considered like. No one cared about it back then, and that being the Confederate flag. It was on the General Lee. Dukes of Hazzard was huge in the 70s and early 80s, so it makes sense. But also at the same time, I'm like, she's a she's like a punk rock girl in the 80s in L.A. wearing a Confederate flag on the back of her jean jacket. That doesn't track, really. It's like they just had this jacket, and they're like, we'll put this on you, but whatever. She doesn't wear it for that long. No. Uh, but just long enough for you to get really good looks at the Confederate flag <laughs> yeah. on Helen Hunt's back. Yeah. So, Yikes. <laughs> anyways, uh, they, they, they start to leave the tanning salon. And when they do, um, Whistler's there with like two or three police officers. Well, I like the fact that they try to go out the front door. The cops are there and they go, oh, let's go out the back. But the cops are like, well, we know where you're going to go. So they just run around back. It's like it was the most logical thing I've ever seen in a movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, they're, the cops aren't stupid. They know where you're going to go. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. So they yell out, freeze. And Whistler, Wiseling, says, so we have the Santa Claus killer and his accomplice. And Jack says, Whistler? And Whistler goes, none other. Farewell, Jack Death. And then he whispers, fire. Fire. And then they, all the police officers literally just unload uh, the bullets on him. And that's when Jack activates his long second device, which is so badass on his watch. It's so cool. And so when he does, everything freezes. Uh, he sees one bullet whiz by that's, Lena. That's cool. That's cool. It's really cool. And Helen Hunt does a tremendously great job acting 
frozen. He picks her because he picks up Lena, throws her over his shoulder, and then runs out to the other side of the to the front of the store and puts her in the car. And the whole time, she doesn't move her mouth. She, she doesn't move her eyes. She doesn't move any aspect of her body. It's great. Yeah. No, that is really, really cool. Um, And I like the fact, I actually really like the fact that it doesn't stop time. It slows time down. Yeah, I like that too. And I, I just wish they didn't even say it stopped time at the beginning. You know, I wish she just said it slowed down time because it was a much more fun effect. And I did note that Helen Hunt does a great job. She keeps her facial expression exactly the same as he's carrying her out of there and dumping her into the car. Like, I mean, there's a lot of body movement that she is doing subtly to try to make it look like she's frozen, but you can tell she's also kind of helping Tim Thomerson a little bit, but it's, it's like, it's like, yeah, she's selling it. And she does it later too. Uh, in the climax, she really yeah. sells like the, her face is stuck in whatever moment that was. And for all of you going, wait, but they said they can only use the long second once. Well, we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah, that makes we'll, sense. we'll get worry. to that. And guys and gals, uh, the long second's supposed to be about ten seconds. Oh, it is a good forty-five seconds to a minute. Yeah, even yeah. when he has like four seconds left, it takes like eight seconds movie time to get there. <laughs> yeah, because in this ten seconds, he's able to pick up Lena. This is cool though, because he runs past Whistler. Yeah, and he looks at him. Like I could kill this guy right now, yeah. But he doesn't, and he and he explains that too, which is cool. So he runs a, runs around. He has the in this ten seconds, he picks up Lena, runs past Whistler to look at Whistler, then he runs to the other around the block to the front of the store, uh, puts Lena in the car, able to get in the car as well. Doesn't have the keys, grabs them from Lena. Then the time starts back up, and she's yeah. like, "Hey, what happened? Right? Why aren't we dead?" And then they start to leave cut back to Whistler with his cops and Lopez says, how'd he do that? And Whistler goes, how indeed. Now my first, actually both times watching it, I was like, come on, Jack death. You, you could have killed Whistler right there, you know, but that would have also been killing an innocent man. The, the detective that he's inhabiting his body. And I, it didn't hit me until literally just now while you were talking, I was like, Oh, that's right. He can't kill him. He, he would be killing an innocent man. And they, they explained that later. So, you know what? That was a little hole that I had in my head. And you know what? It got filled. It got filled right now because, uh, Lena's like, you know, looking in the rear view mirror. She goes, I don't think anyone's after us. And he goes, they will be. And she goes, can I ask you something? He goes, sure. She's like, when you use that time freezer thing, why didn't you get Whistler right then? He's like, I only had a few seconds. If I singed him, I couldn't have saved you. And she goes, oh. And she like smiles. Oh. But, but I, I don't know. Think, there, there's don't a chemistry the, there that really works. But I don't think that's the reason. I don't think he, he I don't think he, sh he would have singed, um, you know, Whistler because like, like I just said, I don't, I don't think that would have been the right play to make, you know? No. And, and well, I think what, what would have happened if he, takes out Whistler with the serum and like puts the thing in his thing and zaps back to his time. Maybe the cops end up killing her and his former self. Yeah. Because yeah. right. Because all they know at this moment is they're, they're murderers. Yeah. Right? No, he's, he technically has to clear their name essentially. Yeah. And then, and then she admits after, after he says that she's like, well, she tells him, you know, I, I, I took off after you, uh, after you went into the tanning salon, I was scared. And he goes, she goes, your story was so weird. He goes, well, he goes, I wouldn't have believed me, which I great. I love that, you yeah. know, cause he, he's a realistic dude. And she's like, but that stuff about Murray made sense. So, so I came back 
and now she saw the the body die. I mean, she's seen so much now, and I love that she sees it quickly, so that like we don't have to worry about this shit anymore. You know, if her no. believing him or not. Yeah, and like that's already established. We're good. Yeah. Uh, he pulls out the baseball card and he asks her if she's seen this guy. And she's like, 63 angels? I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> He's like, well, we got to find him before Whistler does. And we need to hold up somewhere. And she's like, oh, I know a place. A friend of mine went out of town for Christmas. No one will look for us at, at her place. And she's like, he's like, well, which way? And she goes east to Chinatown. And, and, and guys get, and gals, we only have like 30 minutes left in the movie. It is yeah. crazy. It, it to part of me is like, yeah, granted, like I love I just finished watching a bunch of Marvel movies and there's like three hours long. Yeah, I'm OK with that. Sure. But I'm also OK with something moving along really quickly and just getting to the point, and getting it over with. Yeah, you know? me too, dude. Me too. So now you cut to Chinatown. You cut to Lena. It's at night. She's walking down like a nondescript alleyway with Chinese food. And you cut to this apartment where Jack is holed up watching TV. He's watching a cop show. Another awesome fucking apartment, by the way. Awesome apartment. And it really looked to me, there's a there's a great Thai restaurant in uh, on Sunset called Toy, T-O-I, Toy on Thai. And it's like a punk rock scene. It's been around forever. I hope it's still around. Uh, but they used to be open till three in the morning. And they had this awesome black rice there. It was like purple rice. It was so delicious. Anyways, uh, it looks just like that place. So I'm wondering if, like, they just used that for, you know, took all the chairs and tables out um, Put a bed for in. the scene. Yeah. You know, maybe. Uh, anyways, he's watching, yeah, he's watching a cop show, which is really funny. She she comes in with the food, and and she's like, what are you watching? He's like, ah, some cop show. And she goes, ugh. He goes, oh, it's not that bad. He goes, but what kind of name is Peter Gunn? She goes, what kind of name is Jack Death? <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. I'm I'm glad they called that out, you know. And, and I am too. And Hap, and, I love, and Hap does it later too. He sure does. And and I love this this moment. I love the chemistry between um, Lena and Jack because there is a there is a huge age discrepancy, and that actually gets called out in the next scene, which is funny. But I don't know, man. Like it works. Like she's good though like it's, helen hunt is so cute and i mean that i don't mean that in an offensive way i mean that like in the most sincere way she's got a charm about her the same way paul rudd has a charm about him now it's like you want to see more of her acting just herself yeah i mean even in the documentary uh, charles band was talking about like you know there's all the you know you certain actresses you can be like oh it's they're they're kind of like this type or that type he's like She's completely unique, and and there there's like no other person like Helen Hunt, and you can she visually that way, personality wise, yeah, she's there's a reason, there's a reason she's a a huge star, and uh, I'm with you, man. She's cute as a button in this movie. Yeah, so great. So uh, so she pulls out all the food from, and it got me so hungry for Chinese food. I'm like, I want Chinese food so bad. I know it, it got me hungry for Chinese food. And it also fucking made me want to smoke cigarettes. This whole fucking movie, because I love the way, I don't know where it is in the scene, but I'd love there's, there's this, um, you know, theme going on in this, this movie where Jack death can light his, uh, his matches off of anything. They're, you know, they're strike anywhere matches. Uh, yeah. and he lights one off of his fucking tooth in, in this scene somewhere. I just have that note. 
But I love that shit, man. I was like, that's so cool. But like you wanting to eat Chinese food whenever you see it on screen. Anytime I see smoking on screen, I'm always like, oh, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> so she goes, I got egg rolls, fried rice, beef chow mein. He goes, beef? You mean from a cow? She goes, where else? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Soy. Yep. And, you know, no more beef in the future. Yeah, in the future, they don't have beef. It's cool. Yeah. Mm, and, okay. and they don't say that, but you get the idea, you know? Yeah. Alternate milk and. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and she's like, I got you the radio you wanted. It's got all that police junk on it. And uh, she goes, I also got, it has an earphone, so I don't have to listen to it. She gets all <laughs> excited. She goes, oh, and I charged the dinner too. I hope that's okay. And, uh, and he goes, sure. Phil won't mind. We'll call it my inheritance. Yeah. Again, like there you go. Yeah. He's the dad. Well, you know what? Or he's, he's, I mean, yeah, it works. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe not his dad. I mean, he's, he's like crazy. It's like 300 years ago, man. It's, and, and, it's and not incest. Stays, <laughs> and if he stays in the, in, in the past with her, it's like the Marvel thing. It's like, uh, you know what, uh, Mark Ruffalo says in, in, or Hulk says, you know, you make the past. The past becomes the future. The future becomes the past. <laughs> I know you, you. You actually have beef with Mark Ruffalo for like Thanos. for and it's great. I'm I love talking it. about Thanos. I love it. I love the fact that you and, and Mark Ruffalo actually have beef. Um, <laughs> we do. But my actually my biggest thing was if if Jack does stay here, where did where is Phil? Like where is Phil's mind this whole time? Is it just is it screaming in in like the dark corners of Jack Death's? You know, you know what I mean? Like, where is Phil this whole time? In a, in a dark room. He's sitting in a dark room, and you hear the door open up. Hello? Anybody in here? <laughs> Would you like to play a game? He's, oh, no. He's stuck with Randy, Randy Cosby. Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> well, here I, we go. I guess I guess that's why they that's sort of tried to establish that that maybe Phil was a little sleazy with all the pictures of the girls. Because yeah. if Phil never comes back, you're okay with that. Well, yeah, and he's like using cheesy pickup lines, you know. The the, the we made love, and it was a th- ethereal, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, he's gone. I'm gonna say he's dead he's until dead. he comes back to have sex with Lena, but then then he goes back again. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, it's great. So, uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, he he yeah. After that, after he talks about the inheritance, he goes, "What are these things?" And uh, he points at the fortune cookies, and Lena goes, "Oh, fortune cookies. There's a message inside." Here, I'll do yours. And she opens it up and she goes, oh, my God, it's from Whistler. She gets really serious. He goes, well, read it. I'll kill you and your bitchin' girlfriend. <laughs> and he goes, damn it. How could he have found, wait, wait a minute, my bitchin' girlfriend? And she starts laughing. He's like, you think you're pretty funny. And she goes, uh-huh. And then there's you hear this loud thumping. He's like, what the hell is that? And she's like, music from downstairs. He's like, w-. he doesn't say when will it stop. He goes, when will it cease? <laughs> and he goes, she goes, ah, two or three in the morning. He's like, he goes, I can't stay here. She goes, oh, you'll get used to it. Come on, let's go down. We'll have some fun. He goes, no. She's like, I thought you wanted to know all about L.A. I got to monitor the police band, keep tabs on Whistler. She's like, we'll take it with you. And so they go. So she's like picking out clothes. And, and then as she's picking out clothes to go down, he's like, look, you better get rid of that blue streak out of your hair. You're too easy to identify. And she's like, forget it. He's like, hey, I gave up the T-Bird. 
And she goes, okay, fine, Mr. Detective. And this is interesting because she goes from blue streak to a pink streak. Yeah, because all she did was add red to it. But I, when she said Mr. Detective, I wanted to say Mr. Rock and Roll Detective. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Go check out our Ford Fairlane review. That the was a drill. fucking classic. Oh! oh. Get, get, get. Ooh, my Jack head. Death and Ford Fairlane teaming up together. That would be badass. Oh, my God. That would awesome. be amazing. <laughs> Cut to the club, this punk rock club downstairs, and it's a uh, punk band doing a punk version of Jingle Bells. Yeah. Christmas reference number two. Yeah, no, it's it's fun. Uh, clearly, the singer is not singing the same lyrics that are playing overhead, but again... You move really past funny. it because it's still fun. It's a fun scene. Yeah. It's a fun vibe. Uh, it's a better like looking club than was in Savage Streets. You know, oh, like big time. this looks like an it's actual full. club. Yeah, it's actually full of people. Yeah, and uh, and it's funny because this is actually a really funny scene because she's she's dancing. And if you guys have ever seen Girls Just Want to Have Fun, you know that Helen Hunt is an excellent dancer. And fun fact: my wife has taken dance classes with Helen Hunt in attendance. Well, fun fact, I had a boner watching her bop around brawless in that, like, top <laughs> thing that she had on. <laughs> you could tell Kristen to tell Helen Hunt that. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, I'm sure she'll appreciate it. I, yeah, I, she's I, a great... As much as I enjoyed it, I did kind of feel bad for Helen Hunt for how boppy she was. Oh, I, she's boppy, and then... And then jack death looks so uncomfortable mm-hmm. the moving around but i totally can relate yeah. in some ways jack death look, looks like me if i go to a club now <laughs> that's what i would look like i have never related more with somebody in a movie than i do with jack death at this club i love it because he goes look this looks like a room full of trancers and she's like oh come on and he starts to finally he starts to finally loosen up a little bit and uh and she and he goes how am i doing and she goes not bad for a squid like, <laughs> that's ah, cool see yeah, this she, chick rocks dude yeah, she, she rocks does. man like she's fucking cool she's this is who you want to hang out with in la anyways this dude walks up with a mohawk a purple mohawk kind of a mulleted mohawk where it's like slicked on the sides yeah. it's not shaved his name's jerry he, he walks up he goes lena how come you don't call me anymore and she goes i told you jerry leave me alone and uh, he goes, you still got some of my tapes, man. <laughs> and she goes, I'll drop them at your mom's, okay? And then Jack, like, taps him on the shoulder, basically, and he goes, beat it, Hiawatha. This is my dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Then, and then Jerry, swear word, number two, he goes, who's the old fuck? He's, <laughs> he's even got a hearing aid. <laughs> I mean, it's it is funny because he like Dude, looks right at him. He's like, "Holy shit!" It's like you can see on his face, like, "Holy shit, you're old," you know. Yeah. And Jerry goes, "Buy me a drink, Delina." And Jack goes, "Hey, shove off, or I'll sweep this joint with your head." <laughs> and then Jerry hocks a big old loogie in his face. Fucking who fucking spits in somebody's face, man? Like I was like, "Fuck that guy." destroy that fucking guy i i think i told you a story i used to work with autistic kids and this kid who he would antagonize you because he wanted you to fight him because he had like a history of being beat up by his siblings and like had a lot of emotional abuse so he would antagonize you but he was he was uh he couldn't speak he would just make noises he'd go ba 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 and he came up to me one day his name's julio and i'm like 
I'm like, hey, Julio, how are you? Bah, bah. He's like getting right up in my face. I go, okay, cool. Yeah, Julio, uh, uh, go go play in the, we were on the playground. Go play in the, the swings over there. Bah, bah. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And he gets right up in my face and he goes, it spits in my face. Jesus. And I'm wearing my favorite Warriors t-shirt at the time, this really dope-ass Warrior t-shirt. And he goes and grabs my shirt, and he pulls on it. And I grab his wrist so he doesn't rip my shirt. And then he hits, with his other wrist, he hits me in the face, and he breaks my nose. Fuck. And I've got blood all over my face. I'm covered in spit. And I turn around. There's a procedure you do with kids like this to contain them, but safely so you don't hurt them and i was like fully rolling on adrenaline and i basically turn him around like a like a like a full nelson you know but like a safer version so it's not hurting him and i'm walking him into the room to kind of this this like cool down room and everybody's like do you need help zach do you need help i'm like no i got this i got this i'm fine (laughs) because i'm just like let me fucking deal with this so i don't hurt this kid because i'm so angry but he, but he broke your nose. Like he you, broke my nose. Yeah, a huge scar on my nose. Oh, okay. is that what this scar is from? Oh no, this scar is from a cat walking up my face. Okay, okay. I've all, I that's never knew. Story. I never knew. Oh yeah, no, that's a great story to tell too. I'll get to that another time. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm just going yeah. over all the scars on Zach's face. <laughs> oh, I've I've scars. I have so many scars on my face. I'm not I'm not that pretty. Uh, so I bring him into uh, this containment room and he starts crying. You know, because like he's like riddle with guilt at this point and 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 i'm like people are checking me my nose and they're and they're like i think you need to go see a doctor i'm like no i'm okay because it didn't it didn't move it it just like fractured it you know uh hairline and and julio was like uh doing sign language from sorry to me and i was like it's okay man it's okay like you didn't tear my shirt so i'm okay <laughs> wow dude. and and it, oh man it was horrible so he didn't intentionally want to spit in my face, but if someone ever did do that to me for reals, like Jerry did a Jack death with like just being a dick, not having something, you know, going on inside internally, I would have lost it on like Jack did. Yeah. Jack fucking cold cocks him, lays him right the fuck out. And I yeah, was like, good he, for you, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he goes, now I'm pissed off and he just, yeah, he just fucking decks him and knocks him out. And, and, and yeah, what happens? And Jerry fucking, like, hits the ground, passed out. Like, he was out before he hit the ground. <laughs> to the point where, like, I think Family Guy used to do a pretty funny uh, cartoon where, like, the guy's face was fully on the ground and then his ass sticking up in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that totally <laughs> Jerry. Just, like, knocked the shit out. <laughs> you, got, so, you got knocked the fuck out! <laughs> to- totally, totally, totally. So, yeah, after that happens... Uh, Jack goes, you got swell friends. And she's like, Jack, look out. And then three more dudes walk up and he beats the shit out of them too. Yeah. No, he's a badass. I love this scene. So, so three guys walk up and he doesn't even wait for one of them to fucking swing. He, they, they square up and he's a cop. He knows what's up. And by the way, he says, I'm a cop at least 30 times in this movie. So he's, they square (laughs) up. He knows what's going to happen. Punches the guy right in the middle, right in the face, punches the guy to the left, hits elbows the guy to the right, and then immediately like punches another guy who's coming in. And it's like, in like literally like five seconds, he's taken out like four people. I was like, yeah. fuck yeah, Jack Death. That was awesome. I just love the fact that he didn't wait for anyone to swing. At that point, he was like, nah, dude, I've got this. And he destroys them all. 
Yeah, he just adds to his badassery. He's just a badass dude. Yeah. Just a badass dude. So from here, this is cool. He cut to back to their apartment at night, and Lena's wearing like a kimono, and Jack is, uh, you know, recovering from his battle. And she gives him a Christmas present. She goes, Merry Christmas. And he goes, Today? And she goes, Yeah, it's after midnight, December 25th. He goes, I didn't know. It's July in Angel City. <laughs> And she's like, go ahead, open it. I love this. She got him a fucking Christmas present, you know? He opens it up, and she goes, future man, just like you. It's like a robot. It's so fucking sweet, man. Is that John Doe Mandroid? Is that what that was? (laughs) John Doe Mandroid. (laughs) It's that Transformer, that Decepticon. That Decepticon and John Doe Mandroid again. So so awesome that the kid wanted it twice. John Doe Mandroid should be our next. Uh, T-shirt? John Doe Mandroid? (laughs) John Doe Mandroid. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Or like Twitter handle or something like that. It's a good one. I love it. (laughs) It's great. It's great. And uh, and she's like, do you like it? And he's like, it's nice. He goes, I I don't know what to say. She's like, well, don't say anything. And uh, and then she just leans over and she starts kissing him, right? And they start making out. And you start getting into the love scene. And then she hesitates and she goes, Jack, where's Phil? And he goes, his brain's on hold. She goes, oh. And and he goes, why? And I love this. It's so sweet. She goes, because I like you a lot better. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's so sweet. It's so sincere. And you're like, this guy was such a probably a dick. And he's not. Yeah. Not he's like a it, good dude. guy. He lost his wife. And, and Helen Hunt does a great job landing these lines, dude. She really does. It just feels so, it feels so real yeah and and as a kid you gotta you gotta place yourself back in this back in the day guys uh cory and i both seeing this at a young age this is like some heavy kind of romantic stuff mm-hmm. for kids that are under the age of 10 and i didn't know what it, any of this meant i mean i was traumatized as we've talked many times before by love scenes and movies with our parents this didn't traumatize me this felt like kind of just kind of sweet yeah i don't know why mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with it's you, man. The way it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, suddenly out of nowhere, there's a knock at the door. <laughs> this is great, by the way. This is, I didn't see this coming at all. And you hear this girl say, open up, Jack. Quit stalling. I knew. Yeah, I, this is so great. And uh, Lena's like, it sounds like a kid. And Jack opens up the door. And he goes, what is this? And she goes, in this little kid who's wearing a, a pink bathrobe and, like, bunny slippers, it looks like she's ready for bed. She goes, it's me, McNulty. And he goes, McNulty? And she goes, none of your lip. This kid's the only ancestor I could find. It's been hell. I had to sneak past the parents and everything. And then she looks over at Lena. She goes, say, who's the skirt? Nice. And he goes, tone it down, McNulty. <laughs> and I love it. It's um, So the, the little girl is played by Allison Croft, um, and she also has been working pretty much ever since. Uh, she's been on, like, 24. She's been on, like, Mad Men, Shameless. Wow. So, yeah, she, she grew up and, you know, she basically just stayed acting. Good for her. Yeah, she she has a good presence, even though her whole voice is ADR, which is really funny. It is, but it works, though. It you works. Know? It totally works. And she's like, listen. So, the, again, this is McNulty talking through this little girl, yeah. Art LaFleur. And she's like, listen, Jack, you got to come back to Angel City. Spencer disappeared like a floater trail, and Ash is going to pieces. She wants to talk to you. 
And he goes, tell her I'm doing my job. She's like, I got my orders, Jack. He's like, I'm busy, McNulty. Now run along before I give you a spanking. (laughs) And then he grabs her and he like basically throws her out the door and she pounds on the door. She's like, I'll bust you to zero, trooper. He picks her up and he puts her outside the door and closes the door on her. And I love how Helen Hunt's like, or Lena's like, is that your boss? And he goes, I love Jack Death goes, she thinks he is. Wait, she thinks he is. Yeah. Yeah. So great. (laughs) It was good. It was a little convoluted, but I liked it. I was like, okay, yeah, it's it's a little tongue in cheek, like you said. I love it. I love it. And and this makes total sense. They go back to making out. They're about to get it on. (laughs) And then it kind of pan, the camera pans over to like the side of the bed. There's like a, a, a railing or whatever. There was a, like there's a like a divider because divider. it's clearly like a studio. So the bed is also in the living room. So, yeah, there's this little divider that's probably only as high as the bed, sort of. And, yeah, the camera pans over and this little devious girl, this little devious McNulty sticking his head up and has this little gun thingy and just goes boop and shoots shoots him. It's it's funny. It's it's weird and it's funny, but it it all it fits and it works, you know. Yeah, it's so it's so light. Even like uh, the the the, the zombified transfers used to freak me out when I was a kid. That that was creepy. But overall, the tone is pretty light for this movie. Um, so and it's still dealing with death, you know. Well, his, no his, pun intended. Yeah, his name is Jack Death. <laughs> but but you know, like people getting murdered and whatever. But it still doesn't feel like too scary because yeah. you know there's no there's no blood there's no, no. gore really. No. Uh, Even um, when he so, shoots Whistler's body in the future and explodes, that might be the goriest thing, and it's not really. There's no blood. It's all like pyrotechnics. Yeah, yeah. So, so they blast Jack back to uh, 2047 or wherever you know the future. And and he's like, damn it, McNulty, couldn't you have waited an hour? And I love how McNulty's like, he's on the table next to him, and you know he's coming back, and he's kind of laughing to himself because he know what he did. he knew what he did. Now I got to push back. That means he left that little girl. Now is just wandering around Chinatown. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Well, and then his his retort is, maybe if I hadn't gotten the bums rush, you shouldn't pick on little kids. Yeah. And uh, then that's when they're like back and forth. Jack's like, listen, if you don't like my style, I'll dump this case right now. And he goes, why didn't you think, why do you think I brought you back, Jack? I'm slagging your badge. And, and Jack's like, well, who on whose authority? And then Ash pipes up. She's like, mine, trooper death. She goes, there are two empty chairs in the council chamber now. There shall not be, a, there shall not be three. I've ordered your replacement. And they talk about who this guy, who the replacement's going to be and... <laughs> Jack's like, this guy works at hot houses. He's never singed a trancer in his life. And she and uh, she goes, Whistler's goons are massing near Angel City, awaiting the fall of the council. You failed to protect the Spencer's ancestors. He's like, well, why don't you pull me? Why do you pull me back now? I'm close to finding Ashby. The only and then McNulty's like, the only thing you're close to finding is that cotton candy. <laughs> yeah. He goes, that cotton candy was my lead, pal. And then Ash says. Is this true? And Jack's like, would I lie? She's like, very well. And basically, she's like, okay, we can go back then. Fine. I believe you. And I like how McNulty, like, pushes back. He's like, what? And, and But I like how uh, Ash, she's like, I've made my decision. Now I'm going to let fate, you know, basically play it out, you know. And, and yeah. you know, Tim Thomerson, I mean, obviously he's lying, Helen Hunt. 
does not have the lead on on Ashby, you know, but he looks at her and he's like, would I lie to you? And then, you know, their eyes like meet for like a couple seconds, you know, and he doesn't waver. So, yeah, it's it's cool. I like it. I really enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's back in the game. It's like, and I love this. It didn't take a whole lot of exposition. It's like, okay, well, then I'm sending you back in. You're the best we got, yeah. basically. Yeah. And uh, and I love this. I love this, too, because he goes over to Ruthie and he's like, say, you know, that long second gag worked out. How about a refill? And and Ruthie goes, yeah, we'll send one down the line. Yeah, no like, problem. Okay. I, I love the fact it's not like James Bond. It's not like that was a one thing. Like, okay, yeah, you want you need another one? Yep, send it down. Cool. Uh, <laughs> and then right before they put him under, Jack goes, hold on. And he turns to McNulty and he goes, if I see you again in L.A., I don't care if you're a kid, an old lady, or a kitty cat. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then McNulty just says, get him out of here. And then uh, – and then as she right before uh, Ruthie gives him the shot, she goes, I hope she's worth it, Jack, because Jack is, you know, this is a guy who lost his wife because of Whistler. So and he's mourning her death and he's finding love for the first time. So there's a there's that backstory going on there, which is going to come up in a, in a few in a few scenes later. Uh, really amazing emotional acting, in my opinion. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host oh, hey, Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean? Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke. <laughs> Hello. La, la, la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La, la, la. And now, back to the show. So, the, blast Jack back into 1985, and he's in bed with Lena. Lena goes, oh, that was too much. And he goes, too much what? <laughs> like, he's like, damn it. And he goes, hey, 
wait a minute. Yeah, he's because he's naked in bed. He's like, what? No, no, Phil, you yeah. fucker. So Phil came back. Phil was like, yeah, fuck it. I don't care. I'm just going to get laid. And then Phil went back into his mind. You know, it's like, wow. What, it's, what is it like to be Phil? You just come out, have <laughs> sex with Lena, go back. All right. And right, it's funny. Cause... It's a funny little gag that, that Jack Death didn't get a chance to actually have sex with her. No, yeah, right. And and so uh, she's like, Jack, we, we need to get some sleep. And he's like, come on, Lena. And then she goes to sleep, right? She's out. And he just, and he looks under the covers at himself and he goes, well, Phil, hope you enjoyed yourself again. <laughs> again. <laughs> and so he goes back to watching. Uh, he turns on the TV. He's like, come on, Peter Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, there's a, there's a funny uh, commercial that's playing and oh yeah this is important because i wrote it down it's the 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 commercials going you too can proudly display the art treasures of the world in your own home imagine your private gallery of fine reproductions blue boy mona lisa last supper and everyone's favorite whistler's mother (laughs) and jack goes i didn't know he had a mother (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then you cut back to like a news station with a news reporter downtown l.a talking to detective Weisler on skid row and they're interviewing Weisler and he says he's got a task force down there he's giving special id cards to all the homeless people to keep track of them and protect the in- and protect the innocent and he's like looking directly into the camera talking probably to Jack Death and he goes i have the complete backing of the mayor and the city council and I know by the time I'm through, this city will be safe for everyone. And then he turns the TV off and he wakes up Lena. And he's like, get dressed. We're going to Skid Row. <laughs> he wakes her up as if, I, if, like, as if you were sleeping next to me and I smacked you. Like he hits her like a bro to wake he, her up. <laughs> he's pretty rough around the edges. He is. Right? He is. So from there, they're now uh, in Chinatown, back in Chinatown. Uh, like they, they must have just left the apartment. They're walking in the alleyway, and suddenly, uh, this a, another pink light flashes, and the, another box appears with new accessories. Yeah. And Lena's like, "What's this?" And Jack goes, "Reload." And Lena goes, "That's so cool. How do they do that?" Yeah, and I love that she asks it, but he doesn't answer. Yeah, because it doesn't matter, but it's it's just for the for the viewer. It's nice that she asked it, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's great. And uh, and then Jack's like, you know, how far is Skid Row from here? She's like a couple of miles. He goes, fine. He goes, we'll get transit. And she goes, a what? Oh, he goes, uh, I think you people call it a, 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 a taxis. She goes, we're out of we're out of money. He goes, then we'll walk. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, pretend you're not a cop for a few minutes. And they walk over to motorcycles and scooters and they hotwire scooters. Yes. Sadly, so not the motorcycles. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, so, it's so 80s and I love it. For You know, you, you and I both are so nostalgic lovers. And I'm like, oh, motor scooters. Those things were so damn heavy. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I remember so the the GoBot that was one of those motor yeah. scooters. Scooter, yeah, scooter, scooter, yeah, scooter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, let's have a really good villain that looks like a motorcycle. What should we call him? Cycle. Okay, scooter, cycle. Oh, turbo. Okay. Uh, how about the airplane? Should we call him jet? No, leader one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. I'm not the biggest GoBot fan. <laughs> Although well, I will say Diallo yeah, I, is. 
Diallo is and in Diallo he has you must agree the Gobot figures they were okay. Yeah, they're the okay. Size proportions were totally off, but there's some Japanese toy company that came out with a like fully articulated uh, leader one in in Psykill and everything. Yeah, and they look awesome. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I mean I like the design of them for the cartoon, but yeah, as as far as toys go, they weren't my favorite. I only had. It was this weird car that has like a the head is like his head was the the top yeah yes. I have it too. Yes, that Bodie one. Has it. Yeah. It's yeah. stupid. It's stupid looking. It's really fucking I have, weird looking. Never I liked have it. I have I still have the um uh, I still have the ship that can hold a bunch of the figures. Oh, yeah, it's I know called it, it's gray. It's yeah, I know what it looks like. Thruster 1. <laughs> okay the go bots by the way go bots in the battle of the rock lords great movie and i have the rock lord figures they are rocks that turned into transformers how cool is that not very but i liked them i i had rock lords too dude i liked rock lords more than i liked go bots they were badass nugget i still have nugget Nugget. voiced by ronnie mcdowell nugget yeah yeah Yeah, i still have them yeah look at that yeah 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 and Boulder. Yes, I think I had. Was he the grayish blue one or something? Yep, yep. he was the leader. Yeah, that yep. that cartoon's got to make it. That's that's an obscure movie right there. Yes, it is. That's gonna get released. <laughs> I don't know why that's not out anywhere. Anyways, um, so now they make it to Skid Row, and there's these three bums that are singing a Christmas song. You mm. know, the three kings, and I love it. It's so great. I and, like the um, bums. I I like the idea of nice bums. But having lived in L.A., in downtown no, L.A., nice guys and gals, there are no nice bums. Especially now, hoofa doofa. Yeah. No, there's not. But I love this because, uh, uh, you know, Lena's like, come on, th- this is hopeless. You get the sense that they've been doing this for a while now. And this is when he's like, I'm a cop. This is what cops do. Yeah, this is like, what cops are all about. I know. I can't remember where it was, but I, I noticed. I was like, how many times does he say I'm a cop in this? But uh, na- now we're, we're we're in the third act. We're in the, like sort of the climax. And this totally takes place all like downtown uh, East L.A. It's it's called like the Toy District and whatnot. Because yep. um, it's, by the way, guys and gals, downtown L.A., like East L.A. where the warehouses are and stuff, there's all these little weird districts. There's like the Toy District. There's the Sock District. It's like, and they're only like one block or something, but they're still called like the Sock District, you know? Yeah. But it's, uh, it's all down in that area. We saw it in Vice Squad. We saw it in Savage Streets. Um, I'm sure it'll show up again, you know, in, in a movie that we're going to watch later but but in the 80s east la southeast la the the toy district the fashion district whatever you want to call it it was a hot bed for for filming because also like no one lived down there at at the time so famously if you want to know what that looks like go watch omega man with charlton heston um there's this amazing shot of him driving through the city and the the, camera's on like a helicopter and it pans up and just no one around and it's because they could film it in downtown where skid row is uh on i think they filmed that scene like on a sunday at like 5 a.m because no one lives down no one used to live down there so it was just people would literally board up their 
their shops, pull the shutters down, and then do it at night, it would just be, you know, trash cans on fire. Like, it was a lawless land back in the 80s. Uh, watch um, Terminator and see how, like, yeah. when he originally, uh, Kyle Reese originally comes back, that's all filmed in, like, on Broadway and everything in downtown L.A., and I used to live right over by there. And nowadays, or at least up until COVID happened, all that is, like, the hippest place in L.A., and it turned into this huge, vibrant urban center. But back in the 80s, it was dead at night. It was only for businesses, and then at nighttime, all the businesses were shuttered. Only people that were there were homeless people. Yep, just like this. Just like this, yeah, <laughs> which make, makes it easy to film, you know? Oh, totally, totally. And, yeah, the rest of this movie all takes place pretty much in the same area. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last 15 minutes of this movie. So <laughs> yeah, we, we are, we have like 15 minutes left guys. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, the, the, the bums are, the bums are like, you know, uh, you know, what brings you, what, what glorious angel have you brought for the three Kings to gaze upon? Right. And, and uh, and Jack's like, this is the Christmas angel. That's your other uh, Christmas reference for the movie. All right, another one. I think that's like three or four. Definitely a Christmas movie. And work. Uh, Jack like says to Lena, he's like, "Work with me on this." And he goes, "The this angel has a mission," and she goes, "Yeah, I um, seek knowledge." And, the, and one of the the homeless guys is like, "They don't call us the wise men for nothing." <laughs> and and uh, and she shows the baseball card to the the guys, and they're like. She's like, do you know this guy? And they're like, of course we do. That's Highball. And she's like, well, where can we find him? He goes, well, that depends. And she goes, on what? Has the angel any gifties for three weary travelers? <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't have any gold, but I've got some frankincense and mirth. And she's got like a bag of chips or something yeah, in her they're, hand. They're a very easy bribe. Yeah, and he's like, oh, check out the old paper mill on Alameda. <laughs> okay. Like, and Jack's like, can you find it? And she goes, I think so. And, and of and course, she, you and I know where Alameda is. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, dude. And uh, and, and I love this. So they just, they just go back to singing and opening up their food and eating it. And then Jack's like, Whistler knows about the paper mill. They're going to sweep through it. We got to find Ashby first. We'll ditch the bikes, and then I'll go in on foot. And she's like, alone? He goes, yeah. I don't want you getting hurt. And she goes, I'm not afraid. I love this. She goes, I'm not afraid. He goes, well, I am. Yeah. And I love that because he knows what happened to his wife. Yeah. Oh, I, it's so good. I like that. Very subtle. Yeah. Anyways, they get into the paper mill. I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like, oh, that's where they film Savage, Street, Savage Streets probably. It's an old rundown uh, warehouse. And uh, Jack kind of goes in through one of the bay doors. One of the bay doors is like covered up with wood or metal. And he kind of pulls the metal out of the way and goes in. And he's looking around for uh, Ashby, look, and he's calling out for him. And he finds like this old, I don't know, like a giant cardboard box that someone converted into a bedroom. And I think it's it's supposed to be Ashby's because it's got like a, a catcher's mitt in there and a baseball cap and like pictures of like various things. It's I mean it's a pretty sweet little spot, you know, if if you were gonna be a homeless person, you know. Yeah. With, this is really funny though because the cops. Um, officer Lopez and the other, and another cop are there at the exact same time and they find the box as well. And they start moving in on it. And Jack like kind of hides under the blankets and puts a hat on his head. And, and Lopez is like, I heard something over here. Come on. And they go over to the box and they pull it open. And, uh, and he goes, and, and yeah, he pulls open the box and Jack goes, Watch them lights, trooper. Jeez. Can a guy get some sleep? It's fucking Christmas. 
And, and note that he calls the cops trooper. Yes, it's very important. And again, he says fucking for the third or fourth time in this movie. I think that's the third one. There's one more coming up, I think. I didn't know this was PG-13. I just assumed it was R the entire time. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Wow. And Lopez goes, you Ashby? And he goes, I don't know. Because <laughs> he's pretending to be drunk. And he's got a hat pulled over his head, and he's got the covers pulled over his face, so you can't he they can't see who he is. And then Lopez goes, you got some ID, buddy? And Jack goes, yeah, somewhere. Uh, oh, oh, God, I got to puke. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and Lopez is like, it's not him. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here. I don't want to get puked on. <laughs> and they start walking away. And then Lopez goes, wait a minute. He called us troopers. The lieutenant said Jack Death was a trooper. And they start running back to the box. And when they get there, it's empty. And then Lopez says, Radio Weasling, we need backup. And then Jack is running off to go look for Ashby. They quickly corner him, though. Yeah, they do. They corner him against a wall, and they pull the. Uh, it's Lopez has a gun on him, and as soon as Lopez starts talking to him, you know he tells him to throw his gun on the ground, and and he's like, do the same with the fan- fancy wristwatch. He's like, you're not pulling that one on us again. And the and Lopez continues. He's like, the lieutenant told us all about you, Death. Now you're trying to twist our world and how the future comes out the way you want it to be. So which is cool because you gotta you gotta think that like Whistler like told them sort of the truth that Jack Death's yeah. from the future, but he's trying to to make it his own thing, you know. And I do like how Jack is like trying to be like, hey man, just like you're under Whistler's control, you know, I'm a cop, you're a cop, like basically trying to like, you know, connect with him but it unfortunately doesn't work but i like that he at least tried yeah he's trying to but as he's trying to reason with lopez lopez is turning more is getting more and more zombified yeah yeah Uh, which is really interesting like his skin starts changing colors and then his voice starts changing and uh and jack's like trying to tell him to fight it he's like fight it you can fight it if your will is strong you can you he can't hold you and Lopez is like, the lieutenant is the finest man on the force. And that's his voice yeah. changes. I pledge my life to him, and my orders are shoot to kill. And he's about to pull the trigger on the gun, and then he gets, Lopez gets shot in the back. He falls down, and it's Lena. He, he got Lena'd. <laughs> he got Lena'd by Lena. And Lena's like, he was going to kill you. I had to do it. And Jack goes, yeah, you did. He goes, oh, God. He goes, don't take it so hard. He was dead for the moment he gave himself up to Whistler. And then he and he goes, look. And they look at the body, and the body just, like, disappears, what singed. Shit. Sorry. That's okay. That, if, guys and gals, if you heard that, that was my alarm going off because I have to take my blood pressure medicine. <laughs> so oh. I'm going to go grab it real quick, and I'll be right back. Cool. And, guys and gals, I don't know if uh, my alarm got picked up by the mic, but if it did... Yes, that was the theme to Tron. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is my, uh, my my alarm when I wake up in the morning. It's the the Tron theme. That's a great theme to wake up to. Yes. So I took I took my uh, I took my my fucking blood pressure medicine. I'm Your fucking forty three years old, man. I'm old. Oh, <laughs> uh, we. That's another podcast. Um, <laughs> cheer up because you just singed your first trancer. <laughs> oh great thanks uh that's what jack says Lena. lena's mm-hmm. not thrilled about that they take off looking for hap 
Cut to now Hap playing baseball in some part of the warehouse with a bunch of homeless dudes. And uh, he's super drunk, and I think he is really drunk in real life. Yeah, I think he is. And he's trying to, he's like, toss me another short dog. <laughs> and uh, he, and he's trying to get the, he's, he's basically getting ready to pitch to this other dude who's going to swing. Pitches, strikes the guy out. He's like, that's it, boys, 50 strikes in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Jack and Lena are running through the warehouse looking for Hap. And uh, and Jack's like, that bum better turn up fast. And he, lo- he looks at his wrist. He goes, damn, I lost a long second back there. And then Lena goes, you mean this? And she's holding the watch. And he goes to get it. And, and she goes, kiss me first. And he goes, there's no time to kid around. And she goes, I'll make the time. And she's about to push the long second. And then he pulls it down from her. And then they kiss they're making out. It's really sweet. I think it's sweet. And then suddenly they fall through the floor. Yeah. <laughs> they take, they're like, they kiss. They're like, okay, they take one step to the right and they both go through the floor. <laughs> and I was like, I did not see that coming at all. But they land on, you know, the Haps game and everybody like that. And I was like, you know what? That's easy writing right there. You know, we need to get them here and we're just going to make them fall right through the floor. And I was like, you know what? Again, Guys and gals, you just you go with it because there ain't no time to think about it because we have like I don't know twelve minutes left in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, it works. It works. Uh, you know, they fall through the floor. Jack checks on Lena, and then he says, "We're looking for highball." And then uh, Lena's like, "Jack." She looks at him. He goes, "Jack sees Ashby." And he goes, "You're Hap Ashby, aren't you?" And then he in. Lena gives him his baseball card, and, and he gets all emotional. He's like, I haven't seen one of these for a long time. Who are you, mister? And Jack's like, listen, Hap, there's men upstairs who want you dead. He goes, me? What for? And then at the exact same moment from the hole in the ceiling, Whistler has all his police with him, and they yell down, you know, freeze, nobody move. And, he, and Whistler goes, I want Hap Ashby. And this is funny because all the, all the homeless people just like, move away (laughs) from 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 ashby and whistler goes i'm tired of dealing with the worthless vermin step forward ashby or i'll kill the lot of you and that's when they all push him in the center yeah and then hap's like you bums (laughs) and then they go to shoot him but they get away and hap jack and lena run off and hap's like this way mister let's go and they run out of the warehouse they get out of the warehouse and they go to the 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 instead of running away from cop cars, they actually run to the cop cars. But there's no cops there because they're still in the warehouse, yeah. which is actually pretty smart. But that's where their scooters are. And this is when Hap goes, "Hey, I want to ride with the lady." Yes, yeah, so I was gonna say I like how Hap is like, "I want to ride with the girl," you know? He's like, "Oh yeah." Hap knows what he's like. This doesn't happen to Hap often. He's gonna take advantage of this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And then Jack's like, come on over here, Ashby, he puts him on his on his scooter and they take off and the cops start shooting at them and they take off in police cars as well. They drive down some kind of nondescript street uh, and they kind of, and they decide to split up because Lena's like, can you go any faster? And Jack's like, not with him on board. And he says, we better split up. And Hap's like, yeah, divide and conquer. <laughs> I like how Hap's already a part of the team, baby. Yeah, right. <laughs> And Jack's like, meet us in let you know, meet let's meet in Chinatown. And Lena's like, You don't know your way. He goes, Yeah, I do. I used to swim through there. Yeah, that was she, cool. And she goes, You what? 
and they both speed off in different directions. I like those little reminders, you know? Yeah, me too. And it's the callback, right? So Lena's going down like a, she's being chased by cops who are shooting at her. They, they uh, graze her. Shot. They, yeah, she gets shot in the arm. It kind of grazes she, her. Yeah, yeah, grazed in the arm, which is intense because you're like, oh, damn, you know that? You don't want to see this young, innocent person get hurt. And um, and then suddenly Jack cuts the Jack in half. They're at the L.A. bridge. They get confronted by Whistler and the cops. And they, instead of staying on the bridge, they go down the staircase that takes them down to the main street. And you can tell that it's two stunt guys, not Jack Death and Hap Ashby on the back. <laughs> I love it. But I love that I love the stunt it. guy and the, the Hap Ashby stunt guy even had a cap on with like crazy hair coming out the sides and everything. Yeah, smart. I do have to point out right before they went down this, Jack goes to reach for his long second watch, but it's gone. Yeah, I goes, I missed that sort of twice, and I know it's going to come back later with Hap. But like, I yeah, I, I know what you mean, and I'm glad you called it out because it is a it is kind of subtle. It is subtle. Uh, but obviously, he doesn't have his watch. And, Where did and we it go? Don't, and we'll we don't know why. Out. Yeah, we'll find right. out why. Uh, I love this because they go they go down the stairs and Hap yells out, Last call! <laughs> <laughs> and they take off under the bridge. They, yeah, so they go down the stairs and they ride off away from the cops. You cut back to Lena driving in the alley, still being chased by cops. And then as that's happening... You see a dude in his apartment, an old guy in a bathrobe, like a fancy bathrobe, decorating a Christmas tree. And this apartment has a big window that's facing the alley of this nondescript street. And Lena's coming right towards the window, crashes through the window. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, yeah, this was this This was a creepy, gross room this is a wild scene man so like so so the movie is trying to tell us that this old guy who's decorating his tree on christmas night uh try or christmas eve i guess uh the the this old guy lives in a tiny little house that's actually in between two essentially warehouses in the toy district and you and i know downtown ain't no houses down there it's all warehouses and shit you know? He's an old pervert. That's what I, I described in my mind. He's like, he's got to be an old pervert who probably had a stack of pornos in one corner and a box of Kleenex and uh, in the other. I, I mean, whatever you wanted to get, tell yourself at night. No one else, but, no all other old dude would be doing that. No, but he, he has, he, you are right. He has a window, a a nice big window that yeah. faces, that goes looks out into an alley. Um, now, Weirdness of the setup aside, uh, the stunt lady who who uh, was doubling for Helen Hunt, um, I don't know her name offhand. I apologize, but apparently she was kind of like a a big name stunt lady uh, back in the day, and that you know her driving through the 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 candy glass, you know, but it's a giant pane of of glass, but it is candy glass. I mean, that's a that's a stunt, you know, like that's a that's that's not. It's not the safest on the world. She doesn't have a helmet on or anything, you know, and she drove right through it. It's 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 actually a pretty impressive stunt. It's a Jackie Chan stunt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a really funny moment because this old dude with his like with his smoking robe. Yeah. You know, like yeah. a Hugh Hefner thing. Yeah. It, it reminded me of a time when uh, I was working with my stepdad when he was a tile contractor and we went to this guy's house and you always 
if the door is unlocked, you announce yourself. You knock on the door. You say, Tile Man's here. It's first thing in the morning. No answer. So we open up the door. We start walking in because we were doing a job there. As we walk in down the hallway, we have to go through the living room, which leads to the bathroom on the other side. In the living room, there's a towel on the ground with a blow-up doll. <laughs> and we see this little old man run perpendicular across the hallway with a robe on. Oh, I'll be right there. And we just and Mike looks at me, my stepdad, and he goes, just keep walking. And we step over the blow-up doll and walk into the bathroom and put our equipment down. Jesus <laughs> and he's like, Christ. Don't talk about it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I got some stories. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, yeah, the creep, the creeper old man goes through his window, and Lena's like, "Could you get the door, please?" And the old man opens up the door, and uh, she goes, uh, "Merry Christmas!" <laughs> and the dr- drives <laughs> off. <laughs> From there, um, Jack gets Hap to the apartment in Chinatown, and he's like, "You know, you'll be safe here." He takes him upstairs. And this is where we get another a line of like, what's your name? He's like, Jack Death. He's like, going in the apartment upstairs with Jack Death? No, thank you. And, you know, and he's, he kind of makes fun of his name. Again, I needed, if you have a name like Jack Death in a movie, I need other characters to make fun of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's exactly what he says. He's like, Death? Upstairs? No, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, they leave the scooter outside the club because remember the apartments above the club yeah and that guy jerry walks out sees a scooter it's his scooter yeah and it falls over and he's like what the fuck and then that's nice because you don't know we didn't know at the beginning it was his scooter but now we do and that's that's a that's actually a fun little payoff yeah nice callback and again you get your fourth f-bomb of this movie for a pg-13 movie that's a lot of (laughs) that's a lot of f's um that's a lot of fucks so back they get they get up to the apartment and Jack's looking for Lena. She's in the bathroom cleaning up her arm. As he goes to help her, Hap like sees that on the kitchen table uh, a pack of cigarettes and just decides to light up and start making himself at home. Fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> I mean, he. I don't blame him. Nope. I don't. Blame I, don't I don't blame Hap at all. Uh, Especially so Jack, when he makes himself a giant Dagwood sandwich. Oh, which looks so good. You get the Chinese food and the Dagwood sandwich. Oh, oh I, I love big sandwiches like that, Me bro. Too. Me too. Uh, have you ever had the ones where they slice the bread and they put a, a, a layer of bread in the middle? Yeah, of course. Yeah, fucking oh, so the club sandwich. Oh, God. Love, I so love a giant-ass club sandwich. Yeah, so good. Oh, I'm hungry right now. <laughs> I, I know. go for like mayonnaise on white bread with yes. just some pieces of turkey or I don't know. Anyways, uh, so... <laughs> So after uh, yeah, Jack's helping Lena and he's like, it's just a graze. He goes, I know it hurts, but these things usually heal pretty fast. And then um, and she's like she's like looking at him very, very lovingly. Yeah. And she's looking at him. And she goes, what? What's the matter? And then you cut to Jack's face and he's like, I had a wife in Angel City. She volunteered as transfer bait. I figured, OK, it's my hunt. What could go wrong? I lost her. I don't want that to happen again. He's got tears in his eyes yeah. as he's telling her this story. It's so emotional. I know, and but she then goes, she jumps to the conclusion of, you love me. And when yeah. I first saw this, I was like, huh? <laughs> it's been and, like and, a day. And, it's been like and, 18 hours. <laughs> well, you know, it's it happens. The 80s. It's the 80s. <laughs> it's the 80s. Well, and I'm not going to lie. I think I, I saw this and I'm like, that's what, that's what love is. You fall in love. 
hours into knowing somebody. Nope. <laughs> I, um, I think they even addressed this sort of thing in um, in Speed 2 because they taught, you know, the whole idea of like falling in love under duress, you know, in situations, in crazy ass situations or whatever. I can't believe you just made a Speed 2 reference. What, you know what's ironic is I've actually never even seen Speed 2. I just heard oh. that. So Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I did, love this. Did I salvage says, myself, by the way? <laughs> you, you did. You did. You win. Good, you win. Good. You win. Uh, yeah, I love. She goes. You love me, and he goes. That's that's what I just said. <laughs> but <you> okay. <laughs> and then, uh, and then they they go out. They they start kissing. They go out to Hap. Hap's like, "Hey, coach, where's the mustard?" I love how Hap calls him coach moving forward. <laughs> hey, and, coach. And also, I love. Every single scene with Hap and uh, Jack, you know, Jack Death. Uh, it makes sense that they were friends prior because you can just see the chemistry between the two of them. Oh, totally. Yeah, he said that then when they were still in the bathroom, they leave the bathroom, they go out, and Jack's like, looks at Hap making a sandwich. He goes, make yourself at home, slugger. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Hap goes, thanks, coach. And he gives Jack his tooth, like his <laughs> – and he goes – and Jack's, Jack goes, what the hell is this? That's the only thing I got left over from pro ball. Yeah. And apparently that's real. That was like um, a bit. What's his name? Maynard? Um, Biff Maynard. Biff yeah. Maynard. Yeah, that was his real tooth. He actually handed it to. <laughs> Great name, by the way. And Lena's like, Jack, do you smell something? <laughs> and Jack goes, yeah, say, Hap, how about a nice hot shower? And Hap's like, nah. <laughs> and, and I love, like, they start basically taking his jacket off. But I love how Hap just stands there looking up at the sky. As It's just, the chemistry is fantastic. It's Honestly, so funny. Hap, I love Hap in this movie. He, yeah, me too. And, and he goes, hey, I got my rights. And they're like, yeah, so do we. Yeah, like, so do we. <laughs> and then suddenly, as they're taking his clothes off or his jacket off, Jack notices his wrist. It's filled with watches, and which one of one of those watches just happens to be the long, the long second. second watch? Yep. And Jack goes, "Hey," and uh, and, and Hap's like, "Oh yeah, sorry, Pally. Well, you might want to take this too." And he pulls out his wallet and he gives Jack his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Hap, <hat>, bro. <laughs> and Jack's really pissed. He's like, "Lifting that watch could have killed this hophead. We're in the heat, and if you want to stay alive, you'll have to play ball with me." And Hap's like, hey, I'm just a bum, man. He's like, you are now, but I'm your fortune teller, Hap. You're going to dry out, get a job, meet a girl, and have a kid. His descendant will be one of the great leaders of the 23rd century, and it all starts with you in the tub. With a spo- <laughs> and, then, and then Hap goes, what about a sponge bath with Blondie? <laughs> yeah, Hap. Again, I'm, I'm loving everything, everything Biff Maynard is doing, everything. I love it. I love it too. And Lena's like, he didn't understand a word you said. And Jack's like, sure he did, which he actually did. Yeah, he's paying attention. No, the, yeah, he basically puts him in the tub, and they turn the water, uh, the 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 shower on Hap, and they spray him, spray his head, yeah. and he just pulls his hat down over his head. He's basically taking a wet shower with all his clothes on. A wet shower, a shower with his clothes on. <laughs> it's uh, redundant. <laughs> yeah. So they come out. Jack and Lena come out of the bathroom. Jack gets the phone, and he calls, uh, he calls the police. And Lena's like says to him, she's like, "Who are you calling?" And he ignores her. He goes, "Hey," he goes, "Lieutenant Lieutenant Weisling, please tell him it's death calling. He'll know." And Lena's like, "Jack, what are you doing?" And he goes, "Quiet!" Like he yells at her, "Whistler, I want to make you a deal. 
I'm tired of chasing you, tired of the whole business. So I'm getting out. You can have Angel City and everything else down the line. All I want is the girl. And Lena's like, Jack, don't do this. And he goes, shut up. <laughs> Yells at her. And he goes, give me my life with her and you can have Ashby. And she's like, no, please, Jack, don't. And he goes, yeah, Chinatown, you'll see me. And he hangs up the phone. And, and Lena like backs away, like shocked by him. And he looks at her and he goes, Lena. And she goes, don't touch me. You let that poor man be murdered? It's so real. Her acting is so great. He yeah. goes, relax. You played it just right. And she goes, that was a trick? And he goes, of course, I'm a cop. Again, a this cop. Is, I think it's where I wrote down. Like, he, said like, he says it like 20 times this movie. <laughs> and they kiss again. Of course. Probably, of course. probably Thomerson had that in his thing. He's like, we, we get to make out at least two or three times in this movie, right? I mean, right? I mean, I would have that in my claws too. Cut to the next scene. And Lena is on a rooftop watching with binoculars down at what appears to be Jack in like a like a street corner in a trench coat. But it's not Jack. It's not Jack. And we literally have eight minutes left. This climax has eight minutes left. I mean, because just because the the, the time was so I mean, how many times we watch movies that are like that, you know, 90 minutes is like supposed to be, you know, so I've just, I was like, I'm so fascinated by the runtime of this film. So I, I kept like sort of pausing it at like when I knew act changes were, were happening and, and right now we're in the climax. And I mean, just because I watch the time in a lot of the movies that we do, dude, the climax usually has about 15 minutes in it. This is eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this is like, just let's, let, let's wrap it up. Let's do this. Yep. Um, it, it works because Lena's watching and then Whistler comes up from behind her and grabs her. And then Whistler says to her, he goes, call to him. And he goes, now. And Lena yells out to Jack, Jack. And then Hap, Jack or Hap looks up and Whistler goes, perfect. And then Hap looks up and he goes, Merry Christmas. Peace on fucking earth. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Your fifth fuck of the movie for PG-13 is crazy. Blows me away. Anyways, Whistler freaks out, and Whistler starts shooting, right, at Hap, who runs off. And then out of nowhere, Jack yells out, that's six shots, Whistler. The gun is empty. And Lena Lena yells out, no, five, because Jack is behind them. Whistler turns and that's when Lena yells out, no, five. And, and Whistler shoots one more time, but he dives out of the way and ducks from and doesn't get hit by the bullet. And then suddenly. But I like that, though. I like that Jack was wrong, but she was paying attention. She was paying attention. She knows what's up. And then Whistler turns uh, Lena around so she's facing him and he tries to trance her. And Jack goes, the girl's too strong, Whistler. She won't trance. And Whistler turns her around, so she's now facing Jack. They're both facing Jack. And he pulls out a blade. And and Jack's like, you know, I'm the one you want, not her. And then Whistler goes, you're the one I shall have. Didn't you know? Deathaton marries the girl, or would have, if she had lived. And now, Jack Death, prepare to witness your own demise. And he's about to, like, 
You don't you don't know if he's going to slash her throat or what he's going to do. And he throws her off the roof. He throws Lena off the roof. And at that same moment, that's when Jack uses his long second. Good thing he didn't use it earlier in the movie. Yeah, exactly. And as, he d- as he does, he has the same moment with Whistler again. He's right next to Whistler. He could have killed her, could, could have killed him. But instead— But, but we, he can't because he would kill an innocent man. We know that. Exactly. So instead, he takes his belt off. He wraps it around a cable that just happens to be conveniently located right over the roof. He grabs onto the cable and slides down the cable just in time for the long second to wear off and catch Lena in his arms. It's cool. It's actually really cool. It's really cool. But it's really funny because in that same moment, they cut to Hap, who's pouring yeah, alcohol yeah. on his face. Yeah, no, I wrote that down. I love the slow-mo shot of Hap just like he's drinking the vodka. But guys and gals, like, you know, it's it's he's got the bottle like away from his face. And so it's like splashing into his mouth. But he looks really funny. so happy. It's it's great. <laughs> and, and by the way, I, I was trying to figure out who – Hap uh, reminded me of. Do you did you ever watch Parks and Recreation? Yes, but not that much. Okay, there was an actor on there. Uh, his name was Kirk Fox, uh, but he played like the head of sanitation's guy for a little bit, and he has a mustache. Oh yeah, uh, he, yeah. He's a yeah. writer, stand-up comedian. Uh, his name's Kirk Fox. He he is definitely this generation's uh, uh, Biff Maynard. Biff Maynard. That's yeah, awesome. he's he's got that <laughs> vibe, you know. He's so good, man. He shows up in part two as well, which is great. I, I, so, I want to watch part two now. Yeah, me too. I kind of haven't seen it in forever, so it's, it's time to watch it again. Uh, yeah, the long second starting to run out. Uh, and then it does run out by the time he saved Lena. All good. But Whistler reloads his gun from he's still up on the rooftop and he starts and he's going to shoot down at them. But at the same time, Hap, who's got the bottle that he dumped all over his face he winds up the pitch and throws it at whistler hitting him square in the nose well he hits him in the nose with a ball and then he hits him he he hits him in the hand with a glass uh bottle afterwards when he's hanging a beer bottle yeah yeah that's right yeah so he knocks he knocks him square in the nose which uh causes whistler to drop the gun and fall off the side of the rail off the roof but he's still holding on to the roof and then whistler or Hap winds up with another with a beer bottle, throws it right at Whistler's hand, knocking him off the roof and Whistler falling into a, in a into a fountain. Yeah. Courtyard fountain, which Lena would have fallen into if he that's the thing. I was like, oh, after like when when, uh, <laughs> when Whistler falls in there, I was like, oh, uh, Jack Death, you didn't need to slide down there because where. He was standing. That's literally where Helen Hunt was going to land. I was like, ah, yes. you, didn't have, you didn't have to do all that, Jack Death. Yeah, I so, but but you yeah, never yeah. know. Ah. She she might have you know she might have broke her back or whatever. Sure. And so Jack grabs Whistler, pulls him out of the out of the fountain, and he's like, "I'd love to blow you to fish food, but I made other plans. You're going back up the line with no stops. You got no flesh in Angel City." I singed it. I love that line, by the way. You got no flesh in Angel City. Fucking awesome. It's fucking awesome. And he opens up his his gun, and he's got the two vials in there, but one of the vials is cracked, and it's empty. And he goes, oh, damn it. And, and Lena's like, what's wrong? He's like, he shows her the broken vials. And Jack goes, I had two shots of antidote, one for Whistler and one for me. 
And then at this point, I was like, okay, so just send them another package of uh, antidote in the back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, they could. and Or they could just pull them back whenever they want, right? Yeah, exactly. So Whistler's like, you know, you wouldn't murder an innocent man. Weasling has six children. Six children? My God! <laughs> what the hell is he doing? He's he's Catholic. He's an Irish Catholic family. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you lose again, Jack. Only one of us can return now. And that's when Jack... Jack's basically is like fuck it and he takes the 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 one remaining serum and jams it into Whistler's chin. Yeah, it's it's cool cuz he like he jams it like under his his chin like in his jaw area. I was like, "Damn." Yeah. It's like it's yeah. kind of like you can tell like that's not where he was supposed to do it, but he wanted to give like one last god damn it fuck you to Whistler, you know? And this oh, is cool I'm- because like when you think about like where does like what happens to Whistler now, you know, the the consciousness of that. Not not Weisler, you know, he he comes back, but what what happens to Whistler, man? Like he's going up the line with no stops. Does he keep going like up futures and just keeps going up the future until the end of time essentially? Oh, like, does his cool. consciousness just shoot up through there? It's a cool yeah, it's a cool theory to think about, right? And then Hap walks over, he's like, What the hell is going on? you know? And Weasling goes Weasling goes, where am I? What happened? And Jack turns to Hap. He's like, Hap, give him a hand. And Hap's got like the trench coat on, Jack's trench coat, and he's taking it off. And it looks like he's going to put it on Weasling. And Jack and Lena walk off with their arms around each other. And Weasling goes, who is that man? And Hap looks over. He goes, him? Fortune teller. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Fortune teller. So cool. And, uh, Jack and Lena are walking down the alleyway, and Lena goes, you can't get home now. What will you do? And he goes, that's okay. I kind of like it here. And they start kissing and making out, and that's when the music starts cueing and coming in. And then out of nowhere, in the alley, McNulty girl pops up and smiles, big fucking shit-eating grin on her face, and you fade out and roll credits, and that's the end of trancers that's the end of 76 minute trancers but three hours and 15 minutes podcasting after dark pretty much yeah pretty much (laughs) um yeah i had i had a lot of fun with this movie um i thought it was a very enjoyable film i do wish the, the the eight minute climax I do wish there was about another five minutes to it. If anything, just I would have liked to have seen a little bit of a just some kind of a buildup or something like they jump right to it. But if anything, this is a an example of what you can do. Like, I, I, I swear to God, I swear to God, film schools should show this and be like, here's how you can literally trim every single piece of fat from every movie you've ever seen and still have a cohesive story, you know, and actually still have it be effective. And just to show you what minimalism can actually do, you know, and I think that the the choices they made, like with the time travel stuff, it was probably budgetary concerns. Obviously, I think the writers knew the budget of what they were probably going to be working with and everything like that. And I know you said, and I saw it on the documentary, but yeah, pretty much everything they wrote is like on screen, you know, pretty much the whole script is there. Um, but they do such a good job with the time travel. Like at this point, like I don't need a bunch of fancy shit showing me shit. You know what I mean? Like it, this worked, man. And the, the idea that you can only travel back into like your ancestors that makes so much sense to me. You know what I mean? 
And the fact that like your physical body doesn't go back, it's just your mind that all of that. I was like, that's some like some smart sci-fi shit, you know? And that's I feel like that's some smart sci-fi shit that we would get in like the later 2020s now, you know, like something that people would be doing on Marvel or something, but this was back in 1984, Empire Pictures, man. You know, a $400,000 budget and they figured out how to make time travel easy and I don't know, man, much more logical than other movies actually do it. And it's just, you don't need a lot of razzmatazz, you know, a lot of razzle dazzle. Just out, you know what? I'll take my razzle dazzle with the awesome uh, apartments that we get to see. Like, you know, uh, Phil Death's awesome ass uh, Southeast uh, apartment, you know, that's the kind of shit that I want to see. Yeah. This was a, this was a fun fun movie um you know it, it i do i would have liked to have seen a, some things elaborated upon um my favorite stuff is probably the future stuff i thought the future stuff was really cool but i also because th- i thought it was really like well thought out and like i liked i wanted to see more and everything but i get it like i totally understand the budget and everything like that it was very enjoyable for what they had to work with and you know Faults and all, I, I called out all the faults that I saw, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's, you just move past them. You have no time to consider them. With an hour and 16 minutes, you don't have any time to think about it. This movie is like so fast paced, but at the end of the day, Tim Thomerson and Helen Hunt's chemistry is just fantastic. And then Tim Thomerson and um, uh, Biff Maynard's chemistry is fantastic. And I liked Whistler. I liked the the villain. I thought he was a cool villain. I mean, it's kind of a villain that we've seen before, but it's effective. It works, you know, like how like sort of calm and cool he is and everything. It's, it's, it's very, very effective, but the cornerstone is Tim Thomerson. He, he, he definitely makes this movie fucking, you know, awesome. If it was, anybody else a bigger star it's i even if it was a bigger star it would have been a lesser movie this movie was made for tim thomerson yeah this movie i mean like there's no such thing as a perfect film anymore there never was everything everything has a flaw to it every it's it's really to me it all comes down to does the flaw take away from the movie's experience, the the overall visceral experience you achieve, you, you receive from the movie? And the answer for this one is certainly no. Like there's some silly things that just, yeah, you bat an eye at and you're like, oh, it's it's budgetary or it's direction or it's acting choice. And it's just funny the way it funny the way it ended up. Um it's weird to see a movie that's only 76 minutes long. That's like what the old school serials of like the 1930s and forties used to be, you know, uh, rocket man. And like, um, uh, there was another, Oh, like flash Gordon and shit like that. 75 minute long things at the longest. I'm cool with that. I would have liked to seen 15 more minutes. Yeah. Of just, you know, more exposition or whatever, but it, it, it is what it is. It's all good. Um, I love the, I, I agree with you. I love the idea of like your consciousness moves, which makes more sense because that's what, you know, like this is just the, the shell is all that's going to, it doesn't matter. It's just your shell. It's what's going on internally in your brain, your spirit, which is moving. So, uh, there's a deeper discussion there that could definitely be reserved for, you know, wrap up after dark perhaps. But, um, I think, 
on Patreon, of course. Uh, but I, I love this movie. I think that the sequels are, they're lukewarm. They're okay. Part two is okay. Uh, it's got Richard Lynch in it too, I think. And Megan Ward, who was also in Crash and Burn. So it's got a great cast. Charles Band always gets a really good cast with his movies. Um, his early stuff, you could tell he was really on fire. He just kind of seemed to like go running through the numbers with the rest of the the transfer movies that followed. And, um, and this one still has the best movie poster of all of them. They, it does, and and you know the most heart. The relationship that Jack and Lena have feels it's really sweet and it feels real. Um, this is a very lovable eighties movie. This is like something that you could just put in your pocket and take on the road with you. It's not something that takes a whole lot of time to really, you know, digest. It's more like you watch it, you have fun, you smile, it's over, done. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. It it doesn't overstay its welcome ever. Never. No, it never does. And to me, that's why that that those are the eighties movies that I love. There's a few eighties movies that I actually absolutely love that I would trim 10, 15 minutes off of and, you know, wind up with a 75, 80 minute movie. And just the fact that, you know, we want more time with this is a testimony to how much we enjoy the characters and the world. I like the world that, that was created here. I want to see more art LaFleur and what stuff like that. And I know the Blu-ray has like, um, it's called like uh, a trancers colon, like angel city or something like that. It's like 24 minutes. Uh, David told me to watch it. David, I will watch it again. Like I said earlier, because it has um, Susan Ross's mom, from Seinfeld in it. Uh, but yeah, he, it, it looks like it's all future stuff. At least I kind of scanned through it from what I could see, you know, it's rough. It, it's rough. It's not polished. The writing is not that great. Well, And, and they uh, didn't process it for the Blu-ray. So it like looks like old footage, you know, versus like th- this Blu-ray yeah. looked great, by the way, it looked actually fantastic. Yeah. They did a great job. And, 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 you know, Full Moon occasionally does have like really good deals on their Blu-ray. So if you're not interested in buying it on Amazon, you can probably find it. I think I found it on eBay pretty cheap, brand new. So uh but Full Moon is, you know, they they try to get the most out of out of their audience. Yeah, of course they do. And I, I mean I will oh, go ahead. I was just going to say and and add this one to there's something I'm mentally tracking, which are awesome 80s like movie apartments, and uh, this one definitely has it in there. I'm I'm starting to mentally make a list of all the awesome 80s movies apartments that I love, and right now this one is tied for um, Lucinda Dickey's in uh, uh, Ninja Three: The Domination. Oh yeah, I loved I loved her apartment. I thought it was so fucking cool. But this one, uh, uh, Phil Phil Deathard or whatever. <laughs> his shit was cool man his shit was fucking death cool death yeah, death you might want to you might want to cut this or not but you could create your own instagram page of just 80s movie apartments and just like sc- still shots you Get know what followers i would love to do that honestly if i had the time i would fucking love to do that so, um, someone's going to take that idea from from us but uh speaking of of fun instagram stuff you just wrapped up a a contest on two dollar late fee that was a lot of fun uh about uh, nice ninja november hashtag nice ninja november i entered the contest uh our buddy lee germany entered the contest and uh some other people too it was a lot of fun but uh what you got going on in december for two dollar late fee 
Well, funny you should bring up the giveaways that we gave away four, total of four copies of New York Ninja from Vinegar Syndrome. We also did an Instagram live giveaway uh, where our, 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 our listener and friend Aaron Don Gilmer won a copy as well. Oh, cool. Aaron uh, won one. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So we gave away copies to you guys and, you know, Vinegar hooked us up. They didn't just give us New York Ninja. They also gave us a few copies of Six String Samurai. So, oh, fuck uh, you. If I had yeah, known so, that. <laughs> well, well, uh, we will be doing another contest in December for that. A unique one. We, we did a unique twist on contests for New York Ninja. We're probably going to do something similar in uh, December for Six String Samurai. So be on the lookout for that. We just had an interview with Cynthia Rothrock, which is great. Uh, we've got an upcoming interview with Stuart Fratkin and Dean Cameron, the stars of Ski School. Um, that's our our big one. We'll have a, like a year-end wrap-up episode and then those an interview with those guys. And it's great. It's really funny. Uh, Stuart Fratkin, actually, we brought up Charles Band a bit on the show. Uh, he has some interesting words to say about Charles Band. Very funny. <laughs> he doesn't hold him in the highest regards, and I can understand why. Um, but yeah, man, like a lot of fun stuff going on at $2 late fee. We're just going to keep rocking and rolling to the end of 2021 and moving into 2022, just like Corey is doing with Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Yeah, right? that's right. Adam and I actually just recorded our season seven uh, wrap up show. So we are done with season seven, although by the time this comes out, there will probably be a few more weeks weeks left in season seven and uh we're chomping at the bit to get into season eight but man oh man i love me some seinfeld we're also tackling curb your enthusiasm so i am fully in you know jerry seinfeld and larry david world when i'm not in cult movie world with zach I am in Seinfeld world with Adam. And you know what? Those are my two favorite worlds to be in, man. I love that shit. Same. And uh, I, you know, I know you love Seinfeld too, which is funny because it's not something that you and I normally talk about. And I kind of forget sometimes that you're such a, a Seinfeld fan, but you get all the references. You know what I'm talking about whenever oh, I talk about it. I get it all and I love it all. Yeah. I get it all and I love it all. So to me, you know, it, it's it's all part of the same animal. It's like pop culture from the the heydays of our time so you know 70s 80s and 90s it doesn't get any better than that it really really it really doesn't, doesn't. No, it, it doesn't. And uh, we, our next movie uh, that we'll be doing on Podcast After Dark will be my Christmas movie. Uh, we also have a Christmas uh, uh, TV Obscura coming up. I was going to say $2 late fee. Uh, Christmas TV Obscura coming up. So we're going to talk about some some of our cr- favorite Christmas episodes and stuff like that. And uh, we have our, our interview with Dee Dee Pfeiffer. We'll be hitting the free feed soon. Uh, our Patricia Tallman interview will be coming out soon. Uh, our Dan Shore interview, uh, a.k.a. Ram from Tron, will be coming out soon. So we have a lot of good interviews uh, to, ready to go in the can already. Zach's uh, talking to some people that we're going to get on pretty soon. And, of course, go pick up Seven Winters Alone by David Irons, the novel that we are publishing. And uh, I'm sure you've heard an ad on on our show for it. But it's an awesome book. David is a, is a great guy. We, we He's a great writer. 
writer, but he's also our friend, and we love supporting him. And we love this uh, th- this collaboration that we're doing with him. And uh, so far, it seems to be per- going pretty well. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. But check out Seven Winters Alone. That shit is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's a great Christmas, Kwanzaa, Diwali, Festival of Lights, uh, New Year's, Hanukkah. present Hanukkah. Yep. Uh, the, the whole the whole bingo, bango, tango, tango, Festivus. It's got all those <laughs> there, holidays. There you go. So, even if you don't celebrate, even if you're a pagan and uh, or Jehovah or something, you know, and you don't celebrate holidays, just 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 get it for yourself because it's good. It's really good, and it's got pictures of us. It's got picture. Who doesn't want a picture of us? I know. If and if you bring it to us, we'll sign it. We'll sign yeah, David's book. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll sign David's book as David Irons. Yeah, we'll sign it. David Irons right here. But aren't you Corey? No, no, David Irons right now. <laughs> yes. so don't be a don't be a squid and get seven winters alone because you don't want to get tranced. There you go. Festivus for the rest of us. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia.